Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Sunday evening. It is it is the 24th of November, 2016, and or 2016. Wow, flashback three years there, huh? 2019. Let's uh, fix that one. Welcome into the show. I hope you are uh, ready to talk Division Three basketball because we certainly are here. Thanks for tuning in. Forgive us as we just try and mess with our settings so you can hear us as best as we can. Hopefully that sounds all right. Uh, if, by the way, if it does sound garbled, let us know. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's all the ways you can tune in. We're at D3Hoopsville.com, and we hope you'll take advantage of following us throughout the year, asking us questions, you name it. We want to hear it uh, from you. Uh, we are on the air. We got a lot to talk about ahead of this Thanksgiving. Jeez. Um, the top 25s continue to take incredible uh, results. Uh, we have teams out to incredible starts. That continues to be the theme. We also have, obviously, uh, other teams to talk about outside of that because um, not only are we having good starts, but we've got fascinating storylines. We've got teams that are taking losses that... I guess maybe you wouldn't expect necessarily. Um, lots to talk about in men's and women's basketball. Let's talk quickly about who we will talk to here tonight, and then we will uh, look at some of the of the goings-on, as it were. Um, and then we'll also talk about other ways you can be tuning in tonight as we uh, kind of step up our game a little bit technology-wise. Uh, first and foremost, we will talk to Wisconsin Platteville women's basketball coach Kelly McNiff. That team is undefeated on the season, including two top 25 victories. We'll talk to her, most likely jumping into the top 25 this week. Uh, on the women's side, I think they were getting votes, if memory serves. Uh, so we'll uh, on a quick check. Um, they were not. I apologize. Amazingly enough, they were not getting any votes. They will certainly garner some votes this time around. We'll also talk to William Peace head coach Graham Smith. The team has one loss in the season, five wins, including Christopher Newport. We can hem and haw on whether that Christopher Newport win is a um, is one to uh, to still tip your hat to. Is they lost a second one today, uh, not today, this weekend. Christopher Newport did, but still Bridgewater or uh, William Peace having a pretty good game. I mentioned Bridgewater because they played Bridgewater today. They beat Bridgewater today. 77-60. So they are 5-1 and one on this young season. They have already now exceeded last year's win total. They were 4-19 last year. Two years removed from 17-9. and nine, But that's the only winning season they've had in recent memory. So lots to talk to about the Pacers. Graham Smith will discuss it with us. And then we will talk to Isaac. Uh, Isaac. I I'm making up his name. Uh, Isaiah um, Cavado. The head coach of Oberlin men's basketball. They are also 4-1 and one on the season. Just lost the other day to Alma in overtime, but that, well, we talk more about that with him. We'll talk about that tough loss and whatnot. So those three head coaches are ahead of us. And, of course, we'll have Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott join us as well to talk Division Three basketball, top 25, specifically on the men's side. I'll try and dabble on the women's side. We obviously heard from Gordon on Thursday, but I'll try and uh, give you a little bit of a heads up on where I think women might shake out in the top 25. So we are online. Um, we are uh, across the board tonight. We, we decided to step it up a little bit in the um, 
simulcast network taking our relationship now with our streaming platform uh, blue frame technology to a whole nother level or at least trying to um we are simulcasting to both facebook and to youtube facebook i know mark's audio there my uh our, our a longtime friend of the show my aunt bj is on the show hey aunt bj um in the Chicagoland area. Mark is tuned in. Appreciate that, sir. Uh, and others. And so we uh, we appreciate it. Again, we are online on YouTube as well. That's something we've always been. We're simulcasting. The premise behind this is we may stumble into some viewers who may be tuning in or stumble across us in one of those avenues some way, shape, or form. We've been on Twitter Periscope before, to be blunt. That usually is great for the opening five, ten minutes of the show. And then kind of disappears we'll try and keep track of the chat rooms there we'll try and check our email constantly as well we'll also check the uh you the uh the um twitter as well to keep up to what you guys may be asking us throughout the show so we'll do our best uh, in what is a more complicated studio than ever we continue to try and work on our you know, internet our uh, technical gremlins as well but we hope it sounds okay last week's or last thursday's show sounded eh, not so great um even though in my headsets, it sounded wonderful. I apologize for that. I think I fixed that. If today's show, especially if you're listening on the podcast, sounds garbled, I apologize. If today's show sounds garbled and you're listening to us live, well, please tell me immediately um, so that I know what's going on. Uh, that is basically what I would like and appreciate from all of you. So we're streaming in 1080 on both uh, Blue Frame, our OTT app, and YouTube, we're at 720 on Facebook just to, to play with it. Mike Shinka says, happy Sunday from your friend from the snowy Northeast. Mike, happy Sunday to you, sir. I am jealous. Snow fell, ooh, let's call it 30 so minutes north. of. Actually, it fell 15 minutes north of me today. My son at a sleepover said it was nothing but white out the window at his friend's house, so it didn't stick to the ground. Field hockey championships. Um, well, they saw some snow up there. Um, and, uh, our, our friend Brennan Gulick having to deal with that. Uh, but congratulations to Middlebury winning the field hockey championship, uh, this year, Johns Hopkins, congratulations to them. They won the women's cross country championships. Those are the championships off the top of my head. I know there's others. I need to find them. I'll see if I can, uh, do that shortly, uh, to congratulate everybody. We also have football got through the first weekend, some crazy scores couple of upsets as well. Our, our guys over at D3Football.com doing yeoman's work as always with the bracket blitz. Remember, that's kind of like our whip around. Uh, we got it out the door in March, and then Frank and, and Pat and the rest have uh, grabbed the reins on the football side and doing pretty well with that. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, I highly suggest you do that next weekend. I think they're planning it for next weekend. Um, they're going into round number two. Stag Bowl is right before the weekend before Christmas this year uh, down in Shenandoah, Texas. But back to the championships again. Th uh, congratulations to Middlebury uh, Field Hockey. Uh, there's some field hockey players who are also on their women's lacrosse program, which is pretty top notch as well. So there's a lot of rings going on around in spring and fall women's sports there at Middlebury. Um, we got a shakeup in in the soccer realm. Uh, Williams, a two time champs. In women's side, will not be back. Messiah beat them in shootouts today. Uh, let's see. On the men's side, I saw center has gone through. We're going to have a who's who there. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. By the way, real quick, let's look at some of the pictures from field hockey where they, where they uh, had to shovel off the field. Looks like they had uh, at least three inches of snow 
if not more. That game between Middlebury and Franklin and Marshall, again, congratulations, to say the least, uh, uh, there. Uh, oh, Johns Hopkins won D3 Volleyball Championship. I think I mentioned women's cross country. I thought they won that too, but we'll double check. But feel, uh, congratulations to Hopkins on the women's volleyball side, to say the least. Uh, I'll try and get back to some of the others. Pomona Pitzer grabbed the men's cross country championship. Really want to give them a shout out because that's pretty darn impressive uh, for that program. And I was right. Johns Hopkins won the cross country side on the women's side. So outstanding. By the way, Stevenson's Patrick Watson won the individual men's um, title on the on the men's side. That's darn impressive. Uh, And on the women's side, it was Parley Hannon winning it from Ithaca on the women's side. So Congratulations to all the fall champs. Uh, this is a, a family in Division Three, as you all know, and, and I'm looking forward in two weeks' time to be calling the soccer championships, men's and women's, with Ira Thor. Uh, I, I've lost track, ah, but I think this is my fourth soccer championships. It may be my fifth, but I'll have to go back and check. Of course, women's uh, lacrosse, should I be on dock for the uh, championships in Memorial Day weekend? It'll be my fifth out of six years. And, of course, I'm planning on being on the call for at least the quarterfinals and semifinals in men's basketball. This will be, I have definitely lost track there, but it'll be my 19th trip. So I'm looking forward to that, to say the least. All right, so let's talk basketball. Back to that topic, right? Lots to talk about. Looking, um, again, follow us. Uh, ask us questions on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville where we're simulcasting the show as well. Um, we'll try and keep an eye out um, in case anybody maybe sends us a message through Instagram. We can sometimes get those notes. On the women's side of things, uh, Wartburg lost to Platteville. Oh, did we mention Platteville's on the show? Well, that's one of the biggest reasons. Number 14, uh, losing to them, uh, and then got back on the winning horse, did Warper against Westminster, so they're 3-1. I, I, we'll talk more about where I think things may shake out. Mary Harden-Baylor, despite their opening loss to Wayland Baptist, non-Division 3, is now uh, 2-0 and in uh, Division 3. They beat uh, St. Thomas of Texas. We're going to have another St. Thomas in here. Interesting enough, maybe before St. Thomas... Um, Minnesota leaves. I really hope that doesn't happen. George Fox, after their opening loss to Trinity, Texas, has been winning. Uh, DePaul lost to Wisconsin Lutheran. That's going to jump Wisconsin Lutheran in the top 25. One would expect, considering Wisconsin Lutheran is, no, maybe not. I mean, that loss to Alma, Wisconsin Lutheran is 3-2. and two. Maybe they will, but they beat DePaul. DePaul's a good team, and that's a surprising result. Trine is now 3-2 and two in the 11 hole. They may drop out of the top 25. They lost to Chicago most recently. They also have a loss to Ohio Wesleyan. Texas Dap- Dallas also lost to Chicago. Chicago's got one of those weird things where they're 4-2 and two on the season with good wins. They defeated Texas Dallas, who was ranked ahead of them. They lost to Illinois Wesleyan, who was receiving votes. They lost to Platteville, who wasn't receiving votes, but certainly will be in the top 25 coming up. But then they beat number 14, Wheaton. They beat number 11, Trine, in overtime. And they defeated Kenyon. <laughs> so Chicago's got a mixed bag. That's going to give voters fits. Um, we mentioned the loss for Wheaton. That's their only loss of the season. Christopher Newport now actually four and three. I misspoke earlier. Lost to Messiah, has lost to William Peace, and now lost to Meredith. That's back-to-back losses for the uh, captains at four and three. Oshkosh has lost three times. They're now two and three, three in a row after beating St. Mary's in Minnesota and Augustana. Um, Messiah lost, as, we point, uh, as you may have noticed, to Marymount this weekend. Marymount's a fickle team, too. Uh, they're receiving votes. They're 5-0, and but some of these results, you know, they, yeah, they defeated 
Haverford in a really low-scoring affair. They had a crazy game against Salisbury and then a low-scoring affair against Messiah. Maybe Marymount's better than we thought they were. Uh, I suspect we may be talking to the Saints sometime soon. Gettysburg lost the opener, but has been winning since. I saw them against McDaniel. McDaniel was actually leading, believe it or not, on, on Wednesday. I think, I don't remember if we mentioned this on Thursday's show. They were McDaniel was leading that game uh, by eight points with 258 left to go in the third quarter. And McDaniel had gone on a run there. Uh, they had started the game slow, woken up, taken the lead in the second quarter. It were leading by eight, their largest second, tied their largest lead in the third quarter, and then went dead quiet and went eight, just a tick under eight minutes without scoring. Gettysburg came rolling back and ended up winning that game. The score not indicative of how close that game uh, really was as it finished 66-57, yet nine points. It felt closer than that. Gettysburg's a good team. Are they top 25? Maybe, but maybe in that 20 range? Uh, we'll see. Uh, Trinity, Texas, we point out, uh, got that win over George Fox. Then they lost to St. Thomas, beat Hardin-Simmons, and beat East Texas Baptist. I think they should be a top 25 team. Again, we'll talk about this more down the road. So uh, Oglethorpe, Benedictine, and Capital also losing in the receiving votes category as my aunt joined. Hey, your enthusiasm is inspirational. Enjoying the show already. Well, thank you, Aunt BJ. I've got to be enthusiastic, Aunt BJ. The Bears are, eh. I know they won today, but come on. Um, Oshkosh is 2-2 two and two now on the men's side. I did not see this coming. I knew they would be strong. I've got them in my top five. They beat Augustana. They beat North Central. Now they've lost to Carthage and Elmhurst. It... <sighs> Does that mean Carthage and Elmhurst are better than Augustana and North Central? By the way, how about the fact that Oshkosh is apparently in the CCIW now? <laughs> Their first four games, all CCIW opponents. Um, I, I don't know what to make of that. We talked to Bosco Jerichovic of, of Carthage on, on Wednesday, and he still talks about Oshkosh being a good team. I think they're still top 25 material. They're going to fall, obviously, but that's just a crazy result. Uh, North Central's played two games. That's it. And there are two ridiculous games. They, they lost to Oshkosh to start the season, and then they got into a 122-103 win over Greenville. Otherwise, North Central hasn't played a lot. They're going to have to jam in some games later this season, as you can tell looking at their schedule. Um, Wittenberg's only played two games, so they're both wins. Not much you can make out of them, though. they got a tough game coming up this week against um, uh, Oberlin. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Uh, Watch you lost to Platteville on the men's side. Uh, but then squeaked past Eau Claire. They've also beaten Whitewater, Illinois College, and Co. I think WashU's pretty good, but that's that's a head-scratcher. Nebraska Wesleyan's 5-1 and one after losing to uh, St. Thomas, but then they got past Chicago in a good game today. Excuse me. St. Thomas is probably a pretty solid team. Christopher Newport lost to Hopkins out of the gate. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect from them, but it seems to have woken them up. They just got past Lynchburg this weekend, 79-77. They're 5-1 and one now. Texas Dallas is two and two. Uh, we talked about them last week. St. John's lost to Nebraska Wesleyan, wasn't really close, but it rattled off wins against Marion, Minnesota, Morris, and Carrollton. Obviously, none of those three on the same caliber as Nebraska Wesleyan. Where's everybody slots St. John's will be fascinating. Middlebury's undefeated at five and zero. They've jammed a bunch of games in to start the season. Wabash lost to Center, but they've gotten um, a couple of. I mean, and that Center game was part of Center's back to back. Um, buzzer beating wins over Wabash and Transylvania. They beat Greenville 137 131 and then beat Carroll most recently. St. Thomas, we mentioned beating Whitman. They lost to Whitworth, beat St. Scholastica, and now beat Nebraska Wesleyan. You go figure that one out. 
They supposedly played DePaul today, but I don't have a result. I think they beat them. Uh, WPI has got one loss. They kind of avenged that weird loss to New England College. Though they haven't really played anybody of note except Salem State, and they spanked them. Eastern Nazarene and, and Mass Boston aren't going to tell us much, uh, though <laughs> our friend Ryan Scott may argue with me on that. Augustana is looking good at 3-1 and one despite the loss to Oshkosh. Defeated Calvin, defeated Loris, uh, and defeated Loris easily, 88-59. Marietta's undefeated at 3-0. Guilford lost their opener against Emory, but have now beaten Greensboro, Mary Harden, Baylor, North Carolina, Wesleyan, Avery, and Barry. Whitman is 4-1, surprisingly. Beat Montclair State, lost to St. Thomas, and then beat Cal Lutheran. You, you almost feel like you're missing something. They beat Sol Ross State in Concordia, Texas. Who knows what to make of Whitman right now. Worcester is undefeated at 3-0. Baldwin Wallace is 2-2, two two, losing to Westminster and, Co- and Hobart. 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 Hobart? Hobart. Come on. By the way, speaking of Hobart, uh, William Smith, one of those women's teams that is moving on to the NCAA Division III Women's Lacrosse or Women's Soccer Championship weekend. Augsburg's undefeated at 2-0. Randolph-Macon is 6-0. They played six games already. 6-0. St. John Fisher, 3-2. And And then we can start going through the uh, receiving votes category. I voted for Salem State, folks. I've been upfront about that fact. I had them 18. (laughs) They're 1-4. They'll be out of my top 25. That, that that was a mistake, apparently. I must have misread something, or they've got something going on I don't know about. York just lost to Roanoke and then lost to Hopkins. They're 3-2. and two. I had them in the 25 slot. I think they're good, but maybe they need a little bit more time. MIT opened with two losses and have won three straight since. Claremont Mud Scripps is 1-1. One one. New Jersey City is 2-1 after losing to Stevens. Uh, Scranton is 4-1, losing to William Patterson, but beating Stevenson, Houghton, Wil- Wilkes, and Cabrini. Wilkes was undefeated going into that Scranton game. Uh, Endicott is 3-2, uh, and two. Mount Union's 2-2, two and two. Pomona Pitcher's 1-2, Eastern Connecticut, who people were voting for, 0-3, oh, Rochester's 5-0, and oh. what do we make of that from the Yellow Jackets, Oyanta is 1-3, Tufts is 4-0, and oh. the receiving votes category is, is, is a story of extremes, Williams is 3-1, and one. Brockport 2-1, and one. Covenant 3-1, and one. Brandeis 3-2, and two. thought they'd be better, Keene State's 1-3, and three. Loris is 4-1, and one. Yeshiva's 5-1 and one with a loss to Occidental, and this is why when I said it on the board, Yeshiva may get more than just the one vote that they got in the preseason poll because they're 5-1. and one. They've beaten Caltech, Salisbury, who I saw the other day against Goucher, Washington College, Brooklyn, and Mount St. Vincent. It may not be a ton to tell us about, but at least they rise into the category of teams that have only lost one game or less. There's other teams that can't say that. It is absolutely crazy. And, and even the women's side has to deal with this craziness in their top 25 to start. That'll be fun. Obviously, the top 10 had a few losses, but not a lot, unlike the men's side, which has a lot of losses in the top 10. But the rest of that ballot is full. And, and you know, early start on November 8th now. We're getting our first ballot out right before Thanksgiving. A lot of time there to get games in so that we can vote with a little bit more information, for sure. But the parity on the men's side is fantastic. It's also making my hair go gray. Uh, when you're a voter, I like it though. It, it, it means we have to focus on something. It's not easy peasy. It's not something I can do in 30 minutes. Nothing against the football guys. I voted on the football side on occasion. It's taken me 30 minutes to do it on the women's side in the past. It could take me 30 minutes to do it. The men's side's a couple hour process, plain and simple. No, you know, just no joke about that. Um, 
By the way, Muhlenberg is undefeated. They're not even in in the you know in my sheet here of teams who are in the top twenty-five and receiving votes. There's teams like Muhlenberg who are six and zero to start this season. Is Muhlenberg on the men's side really that good a team? They're winning. They're getting good wins too. It's not like um, you know Joe Schmo wins. Um, Kevin Hopkins doing a good job there at Muhlenberg out of the gate at the very least. I thought about talking to him today, but here's the problem. On our first two shows, we talked to Swarthmore, the number one preseason vote. They're in the Centennial Conference. And then we talked to Glenn Robinson on Thursday, who just retired from Franklin and Marshall, who's in, say it with me, the Centennial Conference. I wasn't going to go to Muhlenberg in the Centennial Conference on our third show. Or we'd never talk to a guest in the Centennial Conference the rest of the season. So nothing against Muhlenberg, the Mules, and Kevin Hopkins. We'd love to have them on the show. We want to diversify a little bit, spread out the wealth, as it were. We'll come back to the mules. It's just going to be tough waiting, <laughs> to be honest. Again, we have uh, Wisconsin Platteville's Kelly McNiff on the women's side coming on the show shortly. We'll then talk to William Pieces Gra- Graham Smith on the women's side as well. They're five and one. Talk about a team that's come roaring out of the gates there. I had some pun fun uh, with them on Twitter. Uh, to tease that they were on the show. Then we'll talk to uh, Oberlin men's basketball. Uh, Isaiah Cavado will be on the show. I say Cavado like it's a, uh, uh, it's like the, the, the news entity, and, and that's not the right way. It's Cavaco, not Tio, Tio. Cavaco, he'll be on the show. And then we'll hear from Bob Quillman and um, Ryan Scott, and I'll give you my thoughts on how the top 25 on the women's side might shake down. Daryl Duncan is on Facebook, fans. It's a little joke with an email I got from him. Hello from the great Northwest, Dave. Well, we're currently in uh, Temecula, California. Enough some uh, some R&R. Good for you, Daryl. By the way, Daryl, we got the YouTube up and running for you, buddy, if you stumble upon it. We're not embedding it like last year, but it is up and running, though. Apparently, no one's (laughs) watching it right now. We got five of you on the YouTube side. So welcome into the show. Appreciate it, everybody. Uh, On the Blue Frame side of things, I think we got more than that. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk to um, we will talk to Kelly McNiff at Platteville. What is going on with the Pioneers? Are they seriously that good? I mean, they probably are, right? Uh, but we'll double check. Um, interesting. Ryan says that the show's not r- working on the blue frame side of things. Well, here, we'll double check. I see it working. Yeah. Ryan, it seems to be working. I see it up and running on my side. Not sure what's going on, but I see it. Um, anyway, take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Kelly McNiff on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. 
And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Figured out what Ryan was talking about. Somebody, <coughs> me, uh, was apparently uh, forgetting to put the updated live thing on the D3Hoopsville.com link. We are up there now. We're rolling. We're good to go. We're fine. Uh, if you've got questions for us, you can tweet us. We can email us. You can join us on the simulcasts, whatever you want to do. Um, Daryl, thanks. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Oh, enjoying some R&R. Yes, sir. That makes a lot more sense. All right, so let's talk women's basketball. Um, again, it's about who's surprising us to a large degree. What teams might be sitting there and we're kind of going, wow, you know, that we didn't see that start coming. Or, you know, good wins. Well, pioneers of Platteville seem to have both. 
They seem to have not only a really good um, start to the season, <clears throat> undefeated, but they've also beaten two top 25 teams in Chicago and Wartburg in back-to-back games. And the best part is they get about 11 days to enjoy it. Well, Coach McNiff might disagree. She might feel like she'd rather get to it instead of having to enjoy it and let the team rest on its laurels to some degree. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Kelly McNiff, the head coach of the Platteville Pioneers. Uh, coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Uh, congratulations. First and foremost, a tremendous start on a season coming off of what has been, you know, four straight seasons for this program that have been, you know, not as good as one had hoped. Uh, you basically hit the win total from um, 16, almost 17 and 18 and building on what was 11 and 15 last year. You got to be thrilled with how you came out of the gate here. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you, your theme tonight, today for the show is sort of surprise wins and surprise starts. And I will be 100% honest that I am surprised with our start, pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, when I got the job and was hired in August and took a look at the schedule, it, um, to say the least, was a little intimidating seeing five games in 10 days with, with uh, Chicago and Wartburg back-to-back. And yeah, I really wasn't welcome. Sure what, <laughs> yeah, I really wasn't sure what to expect. And uh, our players have definitely answered the bell. Yeah, we should point out, you're, you've taken over the program that uh, Megan Wilson had been running for a long time and for several reasons has stepped aside. She's still with Plantville, and we should point out she's on the national committee as a result of, uh, of her hard work in general, too. So, yeah, you didn't have a lot of control of things coming into this, obviously. Um, and, yeah, Chicago Warburg out of the gate, especially after Finlandia, Concordia, Wisconsin, Fontbonne. Not necessarily, Concordia is pretty good, but not necessarily Murderer's Row, as it were. So you kind of have to change gears into two really tough opponents. Team really responded. What's what was the secret with those two two wins? Um, you know, to be honest, we we've been as a staff really preaching just day by day. Every day we need to get a little bit better. And you know, we started practice October twentieth, so we've just you know we've been together just over a month. Mm -hmm. And I think the kids have really taken to heart to try to get better day by day. And um, you know, we. In the Concordia game, the last minute and a half, we lost our, at the time, third leading score, scorer and our leading rebounder to an injury. Um, so we actually went in the spot bond, Chicago and Warburg without her. Um, I think that just shows that these kids are hungry to win and uh, they can handle a little bit of adversity. Yeah, adversity is never a bad thing in, in the grand scheme of things. It certainly can help build towards the rest of the season. You've got now this 11-day layoff, as I mentioned, and after Thanksgiving, you'll be home against Coe. Then you get another almost two-week layoff before you'll be home against Ripon before a couple of days off against Luther. It, things are kind of oddly spread out uh, with the rest of this because the 14th you'll play Luther, then six days off you'll take on Lakeland. Then uh, the Christmas break is about nine days when you'll take on Lawrence, then five days against Stout. It's kind of a very weird, and I don't see this often, spread out schedule with single games every you know, week and a half or so. How, how are you kind of getting the team focused? Um, the biggest thing I would say is that we talked about um, as a staff with, with our kids after the Chicago's win, we stressed that that Chicago win can't be the biggest win of the season. Mm -hmm. um, that obviously led into Wartburg and you know, Wartburg can't be our biggest win of the season. Sure. And, you know, it, it, to start 5-0, and oh, that's awesome. And But our goal isn't 5-0. and oh, Our goal is is to be playing our best ball in February. Um, you know, the 
last time Platteville started four and was in 94 mm-hmm. and they finished that year eight and 17. Um, so we've got, we have bigger fish to fry and we've got to continue to harp on, on our players about um, kind of winning the day. Sure. Uh, makes sense. Again, just kind of a, you were hired what uh, early August, I think it was. Um, yeah. to take this job over. Uh, we'll talk more about the team and the schedule in a bit, but what, what attracted you to this job and how much did you, did you know about, you know, this schedule when you got hired? Well, um, I've spent the last six years at UW Oshkosh as an assistant. Right. Uh, it was my alma, alma mater, alma mater. So, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the, the WIAC. Um, I'm familiar with Platteville having uh, scouted and recruited against them the last, last six years. So, you know, it's been my goal to become a, a Division three head basketball coach. And um, after year five with, with Oshkosh, I sort of started feeling ready. And uh, to, a job to open up in our conference, um, you know, kind of was, was a no-brainer to apply for it. Uh, are you allowed, though, as a, as a, as a U Eau Claire uh, graduate to be working at a, a, another YX school? I mean, is that, is that kosher? <laughs> Well, as an Oshkosh grad. Oh, right, Oshkosh. No, that's true. Right, <laughs> yeah, Oshkosh, then Eau Claire. Yeah, you've, you've got three down. So are yeah, you going to no. work your way around the, the rest of the WIAC is what we're hearing? You know what? I, um, I've, been, I've been living here for a couple months here in Platteville and uh, I'm really enjoying it, and we're going to see what we can do here. <laughs> I was going to say next coach uh, to replace uh, Shirley Egner at uh, – at uh, Stevens Point, and no rumors or truth to the rumors, but I'm hearing it might be you. Um, I kid. <laughs> I totally kid. Uh, you say it's nice and platful. You're on the on the western but southern side. Certainly, that's a little bit different than say uh, being in Superior uh, or elsewhere, Eau Claire, for example. At least you're down towards the the, the semi warmer parts. What's it, what's it been like to adjust? Um, you know. Credit to the UW Platteville staff. Um, they've made they've been super supportive and made things uh, made the transition easy and it's comfortable. And really, then credit to our players for just wanting to work hard. And um, again, it's it's been a pretty seamless transition. Oh, that's awesome. What attracted you to this job? Was it the fact that yes, you've been at at Eau Claire for a few years, and, and you really wanted that opportunity. Oshkosh, yeah. Oshkosh, I, I'm sorry, I keep getting them backwards. Okay. It, it really, in my head, it makes no only, sense at only all. Only Oshkosh, that was only a Titan. There we go. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I've got Eau Claire stuck. Um, where, did, you, did you feel like this was the best opportunity to get that head coaching job that you wanted? Or was there something in particular about Platteville that you thought made sense for you? You know, it's a it's an opportunity to be a head coach in what I believe is the toughest conference in the country, yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. Um, it, and knowing or having familiarity with players from from recruiting or sorry, scouting against them last year, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of pieces. And as I came in, I told them it, it's not a rebuild. That maybe we'll just no. kind of refocus um, our energies in, in different areas and and build on the success that they had last year. You've got three seniors on the squad. Um, one of them near the top of the scoring list in Morgan Horstrom, Horst, Horstman. Apologize. Uh, she's second on the team in scoring. But there's a lot of underclassmen on this team. Uh, three juniors, a whole mess of sophomores, mm-hmm. and a few freshmen. If this season can continue as it is, you're building 
a heck of a of a confidence level for this program moving forward. Yeah, and again, it's credit to our players. I think that they've um, understand and bought into their roles that they play, and um, our seniors and, and upperclassmen have done a great job kind of taking them under their wing and, and being great leaders. And um, you know, really have put our focus into our practice and what and what we do on a daily basis. Now let's talk a little bit about those players you mentioned. You've got an interesting mix of both Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, you're close to the Illinois border. That makes sense. But for a state school, that's that's a nice mix. I, I'm going to screw up the name because you could say the last one probably four different ways. Dumask? Damask. Damask. Okay. I, I want the easy way. Uh, she's the one leading the way as a junior at yeah. 5'11". Uh, for obviously a good post presence for you. Um, and then you've got the guard in Hortzman, who at 5'6", is, is second on that list, as we mentioned. And then it's a sophomore who hasn't even started in Taylor Gilbert at eight points again. But those two previous are at 18 plus points a game. That's an interesting dynamic. You've got the scary, okay, we can beat you outside and we can beat you inside kind of look. Yeah. And both players were all conference um, mm-hmm. players last year. So, you know, that helped but again, knowing that the pieces were here Sure. and um, we have stressed playing inside out and um, it, it's, it's worked. And when you have those key, key players and strong players and talented players, it, it certainly helps with the flow of the offense you're trying to input. What else jumps out about this team or should jump out about this team that we don't see? You're playing a lot of players. I'm seeing, what, about 10 almost every game and certainly deeper than that. But what what should we see that maybe the stats aren't telling us about this unit? We're really tough nose, and Mm. we're going to make teams grind it out and uh, bring in that defensive toughness that I learned um, at UW Oshkosh as a coach and a player. and. You know, bringing that over here and the kids really they enjoy it and and, um, it's, and again we want to make it tough on teams and try to wear them down and, and so far it's worked pretty well the other advantage it seems you're playing at williams Fieldhouse, basically all but one of your games <laughs> this season has been there concordia wisconsin was the lone game so far out of the out on the road and before we get to conference play there's only one more road game and it's luther the rest of the way is all home. That's got to be great for you as, as a new head coach to at least not worry about too much of the transportation stuff. It's got to be great for the team in some degree. That's got a small little advantage. Yeah, for sure. And we do, we have a um, post-Christmas tournament at Loris College. Um, oh, okay. I see what yeah, that so, is, sure. Yeah, but, but still, you're right. We are we're playing at home. And when we went on the road to Concordia, we had a, a near perfect for first quarter. And mm. the main thing that we talked about being on the road is that the one thing that will definitely travel with us is our defense. And um, for the majority of that game, it showed up and we had some, some tense moments, but um, you know, if we can keep that mentality and stay focused and um, really work hard on the defensive end, I think good things will continue to happen. I realize that you don't look far ahead. You're like every other coach, but I do notice that the second game of the YX schedule features your alma mater uh, on the 18th or on the 8th. Uh, you'll start with Stout. You'll have Oshkosh at home. Is it maybe best that you have the first one at home? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I will be honest. Yeah, that would be a little. Yeah. That, that way you've got the season. You got the Wyack under your belt a bit by the time you get to the end of January and you've now got to go to Oshkosh. Yeah. yeah, and that will be a, it'll be a special trip and it'll sure. be fun. And but you're right, one game at a time. 
What do you make of the conference this year? I know nobody's played, and, and, and we won't get that till January, but from what you've seen so far in results, what you know from having been in the conference for as long as you've been now, what do you make of what this conference could shake out this year? It seems like in the past we've either had dogfights at the top or there's one team and the rest of the conference just isn't there. Yeah, I think I would consider this year similar to um, maybe 2016. We have four teams that Ooh. made the national tournament. Oh, that was um, a heck of a season. Yeah, you know, that was, that was I think the talent um, up and down the conference this year is, is quite similar to that. I know ratings, it's early, and the, the mass, I always say it wrong, mass or Macy ratings, and I think our, the WIAC <laughs> is rated at first overall in that, and you know, all eight teams are, I think, in the top 120 or so. Mm. So, again, the early season ratings might not mean much, but I top them out, it, it, there's never an easy game um, in, in conference play, and it's going to be really tough this year. Well, and back to the home advantage. Granted, in conference, it's even because it's double mm-hmm. round robin, but four of the last five games are, are home games. It's Stout, Whitewater, Eau Claire, Stevens Point with River Falls sandwiched in the middle of the road trip. There, you mm-hmm. have an opportunity here really to take advantage of the Williams Fieldhouse, do you not? We do, we do. And, uh, you know, play on Bo Ryan Court and where we're comfortable and where we know. <laughs> I heard Bo Ryan's kind of a big deal. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just went into the Small co- College Hall of Fame this year. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. He sure did. Um, well, Coach, I- I'm fascinated with, with the team at, at this biggest start, especially when no one, I think, saw on paper what you guys had potential. And granted, with a new head coach, I can, I can understand that. How much are you picking uh, former coaches' mind on things, or how much are you guys kind of staying out of each other's way to some degree? That's a bad way of saying it. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit. I always have to, you know, you don't get where you are without, you know, being surrounded with great people or, or using the knowledge of, of people that you've worked with. And it's, there's times definitely that you need to pick the brains of, of former sure. coaches or former colleagues. Well, I appreciate uh, the time it took to join us. Uh, sorry for throwing all clear into the mix there. Not, <laughs> not really sure why. Maybe we're, we're <laughs> thinking ahead. <laughs> when I play, that, that they were our biggest rival, and Coach Stone was was there at Eau Claire, so yeah, yeah that one got me a little bit. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> maybe that was in my craw. Uh, <laughs> I do appreciate the time. Uh, fascinating. Uh, I do know you're a Packers fan, so Huge. as a Bears fan, I don't know why I'm spending time talking with you. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I, I kid. There's one place I would love to see a football game. It would be. Uh, there in Green Bay. So I know you got a, a game. Come in, come in December. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, listen, growing up in Chicago, that I can handle it. I can handle it. Uh, I'd love to. Actually, my boss in uh, my TV sports days was a huge Packer fan as well. So we had a lot of fun. Um, he, he got to the games. I didn't. Uh, again, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll be talking about the Pioneers the rest of the way. I can't imagine we're not going to be having, talking about the craziness in the WIAC as we always do. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts before you run off to go watch some Sunday night football? <laughs> um, if I can take two minutes, I'd like to tell a little bit of a little story. Mm. Okay. Two minute time. The here. floor two is minutes. yours. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, first, thank you, uh, the staff, contributors, everyone for, from D3Hoops.com to, and Hoopsville to promote um, Division Three basketball. You know, your support is awesome and appreciated. Um, I just want a real quick story. Uh, Share about a legend from my high school alma mater, um, hmm. Shelley High School in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. 
uh, Don Soderberg. He was a Hall of Fame boys basketball and football coach at Pacelli, and I was uh, teammates with his daughters, Megan and Beth. Um, coach oh. Soderberg, he, he was a stern, kind of fiery, super red-faced kind of coach when he got mad. Um, very, he was a disciplinarian, <laughs> harped on attention to detail. Me, as a high schooler, <laughs> confident, probably borderline cocky, didn't really understand <laughs> why he was so demanding. Um, but then I grew up and I became a coach. Um, and, and though I may not yell as much as, as Coach Soderberg or, or get as red-faced, um, I should now I think I fully understand why he was always expecting the very best of the student-athletes. Um, in August, when I was, it was announced that I got the Platteville job, his daughter Megan reached out and told me how proud uh, Coach Soderberg was of me and that they were hoping to get to our game in uh, January when we play at point. Um, unfortunately, Coach Soderberg passed away last Thursday. Oh, man. Uh, so I just want to kind of end with sending uh, the entire Soderberg family my thoughts and prayers and, and RIP to a, a Pacelli legend. So thank you for a few moments there. Oh, absolutely. Well done. Uh, congratulations to you. Tip of the hat to your former coach and, and my thoughts with the family as well. Uh, thanks for the time. Thanks for a wonderful final note. And we will talk to you in the near future. All right. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Kelly McNiff joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Um, great story. It's sad that uh, the coach passed, but uh, I know he's proud of her. And apparently we're going to add to her resume uh, Eau Claire. So everybody just pencil that in. Uh, we'll just, we'll just, she was an assistant there. Just throw it in there. That way I feel like I was right. <laughs> Uh, again, 5-0 start with back-to-back wins over Chicago and Wartburg, both 10-point victories. Again, the home court is going to be Platteville's advantage this year uh, at the Williams Fieldhouse. Looking forward to seeing how this plays out. They were 11-15 and last year, and Megan Wilson was distracted, had some challenges that she had to deal with personally, and, and the fact that she decided to step away, uh, become the SWA at the school uh, as assistant athletics director, uh, and... Um, and and allow this job to be taken over by somebody else speaks volumes for Platteville. Um, but congratulations, they got a good start. Now they got a crazy schedule. They got five games, six games in the next um, month plus, all spread out. There's there's no like significant break uh, other than a random one for finals. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Congratulations to them. Uh, by the way, speaking of people who uh, stepped aside from coaching and uh, decided to uh, uh, do other things for the athletic department, but unfortunately did not go in their way. I noticed my friend Sally Baum has been, had tuned into the show on Facebook. I'm not sure if she's still there. Uh, Sally, tip of the hat to you. Um, I got nothing to say. Um, but you and I will talk. And if you want to get uh, your show up and running, I got a nice studio you can maybe use. We can talk about it. But um, um, tip of the hat to you. I, I'm, I'm hoping better things come of this. But uh, Sally, I love you. Take care of yourself. And I hope you're still watching the show. If you didn't, somebody go tell her. I said something nice. All right. <laughs> I'll take a break. When we come back, William Peace, women's basketball coach, Graham Smith, will join us. Talk about another team that's off to a roaring start. We'll talk to him about what it all means. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops a lot to this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying tonight's show here on Sunday evening, calling out our stuff start because there's so much to talk about and try and break down. And there's Thanksgiving uh, coming up in a few days. So we like to have some fun with our uh, with our term terminologies. Um, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on YouTube at YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville there. 
uh, simulcasting the show on Facebook and YouTube. I know we got people uh, tuned in there. Um, if you got a, anything you want to ask us, fire away. We'll try and keep track of the chat rooms. If you got questions for our coaches, you're welcome to fire in. Don't forget, still ahead, we'll talk to uh, Oberlin men's basketball, and then we'll talk top 25 um, with Bob Quillman and, uh, sorry, Ryan Scott. I think that's the guy. Yeah, Ryan Scott. Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. <laughs> will join us to break down the top 25, at least on the men's side. I just printed up all my top 25 information. Um, we have a dubious team, a debatable team, and a deep dive team that we always talk about, though it's, it's sometimes easy at the beginning of the season, then harder later to do all that. The only thing we didn't coordinate was to see if any of us wouldn't give the same result, answer. Um, I have a feeling we might cross over this time, and we're going to have to retool the segment a little bit, maybe sharing what our answers are. So in a, like a draft order, one person gets the first pick type thing, but we'll cross that bridge later. Talking about women's teams that are doing well and uh, surprising some teams, one that jumped out at me uh, in getting ready for this show was the Pacers of William Peace. And speaking of having fun with words, I had to have some fun on Twitter with the Pacers because you can't have a horse logo, call yourself the Pacers, and I be from Baltimore in the second jewel of the Triple Crown and not have some fun with it. Uh, and so 5-1 and one start. Their one loss to Piedmont, but their one win being you know, one big win being to Christopher Newport. They're still on their way home from beating Bridgewater today, 77-60. But joining us nonetheless on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops for the Hotline is their head coach, Graham Smith and coach. The fact that it was 17 and nine, or I'm sorry, four and 19, two seasons ago. I've, I've got these a little bit backwards. Um, where did you expect the, the campaign to be this season? And, and just to reiterate last year, you were 16 and 11. You've kind of been up and down. Where did you expect to be coming out of the gate? Well, we knew we had a uh, very tough non-conference schedule. Uh, several of our games on the road to start the season, and so we wanted to uh, do the best that we could to really challenge ourselves out of the gate and uh, put us in a good situation for conference play. Just had some of those tough games early on. And uh, to be honest with you, if you've asked me, you know, last year we were making our schedule to be five one at this point. I probably would have laughed at you. So, uh, <laughs> like like we're at right now. <laughs> well, last year you started one and three with losses. Interesting enough to Bridgewater, Mary Washington, and Transylvania. Three more wins and then two out of three losses kind of had you kind of five and five uh, there right at the the break for the year. Uh, and again, 2017, 2018, you guys were, were 4 and 19. So, you know, not the easiest of, of campaigns. It hasn't been always coming out of the gate strong. What is it about this start that has seemed to work so well? Yeah, well, we pretty much have um, turned the team around for our second year in a row. I took over this program uh, 2018 of May, May 1st, 2018, mm -hmm. and um, pretty much brought back three players from the previous regime. And uh, once again, this past year, we only kept three players from mm -hmm. last year's team and did another rebuild. So it was important for us to bring in the right players who wanted to buy into the vision and the culture of our program. And uh, we believe if we did that and had enough talent and, and depth that uh, things could potentially go, go in a good spot for us. And uh, so far, they definitely have. How hard is that to, to, to do those kinds of rebuilds or to talk to players and say, listen, we're shaking it up, especially yet again to some players. 
Um, you know, we don't know if there's a home necessarily as we bring in all this, this other talent. How hard is that from a, a coaching perspective? How, how hard is that from a management perspective? It's very challenging to, uh, to bring in, you know, 20 plus new faces and to try to integrate that, especially with a lot of youth yeah. and uh, to get everyone to really buy in and to be on the same page, especially early on in the year. Uh, thankfully for us, um, winning does help. Uh, it keeps the players engaged, keeps them wanting to you know, work harder day in and day out. And uh, I think, you know, if, if, if they continue to win, we can have it for us. When you looked at, again, you talked about the schedule start, and, and of course, it featured Lynchburg, or uh, no, that's the wrong season. That was last year. It featured Randolph-Macon. Uh, you know, LaHaye is not too shabby a coach. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> it featured Eastern Mennonite. It featured Piedmont, who's been good over the years, and, it, and as we mentioned, featured Christopher Newport, potentially. Uh, and, and Bridgewater, just those first, those first five, six games. You mentioned you didn't think you'd be five and one, but realistically, where did you think you could be? We, you know, our goal was really to, uh, try, try to split both opening weekends, you know, try to go, uh, you know, one and one that first weekend at the Randolph Macon tournament. And then, uh, the same thing, uh, the following weekend at the Avery tournament, playing against Piedmont Huntington, try to at least split that as well. Uh, start off two and two. Um, you know, playing Christopher Newport at home was great for us. One of our goals every single year is to protect home court. And um, our first home game this year was happening against Newport. And uh, the girls came out with a ton of energy and excitement. They were engaged. They were locked in and uh, left on the court. That's all they could ask for. So, um, you know, at this point, three and three was probably what I thought we would have been. And uh, instead, we're five and one. So we'll take it. <laughs> That's called uh, gravy, right? Uh, if yeah, I keep the Thanksgiving <laughs> re- me- metaphors going. Um, yes, of course. <laughs> you've got an interesting rest of it here too, because you'll play St. Augustine's who's not in division three coming up here in a few days. Then you're on the road against Mary Baldwin and Methodist to get conference conference stuff started. That's kind of a, 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 a difference, <laughs> very different style games back to back there. Then you're going to be, um, non-conference against Guilford and Mary Washington who have been, mm-hmm. well, Guilford has been very good over the last few years. Mary Washington seems to be improving. And then you get into the gauntlet of the conference schedule. How do you, what's the message to the team as you try and focus on, I would argue, three very different kind of phases here in the next five, six games? You know, one of the biggest things is, once again, for us, just trying to really challenge ourselves with our, our non-conference schedule and to really put us in a good situation for conference play. If we don't play these tough games early on, then once we get into conference play, we won't be prepared and won't be battle-tested for those tough games at home or on the road. And so the message for us is really to uh, obviously enjoy where we're at right now, but continue to not look past what we're trying to strive for, and that's you know, winning the conference championship. Um, non-conference play is great, but it's really just to prepare us for the, for the next step. The next conference play starts for us next Sunday. Yeah, and obviously in a conference as big as the USA South, you've got to start at some point, at least it's after Thanksgiving, in conference action. Obviously, the AQ is important, but is there other goals this season um, beyond just trying to qualify for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, you know, our goal really is just to improve each and every day. You know, we want to make sure that we're not taking step back, so we're back, steps backwards, but actually taking steps forward each, each day. Um, we never want to stay the same. You know, in my opinion, one thing that I always tell my team is that you never stay the same. You're either improving and getting better, or you're digressing and getting worse. So for us, it's important to focus on just each and every day getting better and taking positive strides to become the best we can be as individuals, um, which will ultimately allow us to become the best team we can possibly be as well. And so uh, just staying the course for us is, is one thing we want to continue to do and not ever get 
satisfied or settled with where we're at, especially coming off a big win um, last Wednesday against Newport. You know, this, this game for us against Bridgewater today was kind of, uh, you know, a nerve-wracking game for us. Four-hour trip up up here and uh, coming off a big win. So it's important to see how we respond. And, um, you know, we responded well. How hard is it to answer questions when the team's listening in on you? <laughs> uh, right now, they're actually coming back on the bus from uh, from our dinner stop. So some are here and some are not. But uh, oh, okay. it's not too hard. <laughs> All things they've heard me say in the past. Yeah, I figured. Uh, they're probably sitting there going, oh, there he goes again. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. You talk about the turnover. Obviously, there is a wealth of freshmen on this team, and we're looking at the extended mm-hmm. roster. There's several players who don't have numbers listed. Um, you've got, what, two seniors, I think? On, uh, three seniors. Three seniors on this squad. Correct. Um, yep. And a handful of juniors. So you clearly either had some transfers or, or players who decided to, to play for you. Uh, and a handful of sophomores. Is this about... In this rebuild, is this about being successful this year? Sure. But is it about getting those freshmen and sophomores comfortable in the system so that in a couple years you're in better shape? Or do you need better results sooner than that? No, I mean, you know, we we did a a really good job as far as bringing in a really large freshman class this year. And at the same point in time, we wanted to, you know, continue focusing our efforts on getting some transfers as well. So we had a nice mixture of, of depth um, as far as experience and then also fresh blood too and um, try to integrate them together so we can be successful now and also in the future and uh, so far it's working out well you know we're, we're starting two of our seniors um, we're starting one junior and also been playing our freshmen quite a bit as well I've got three or four freshmen who are seeing quite a bit of minutes um, so far through the first six games and that's great for them to get this experience especially on the road uh, out of our first six games five of them are on the road so you know going into tough environments and winning those games and um, a great opportunity for our, our younger players as well. Well, it's interesting because you talk about, um, you know, the difference in, in, in experience and stuff. You've got a difference in the scoring column. You've got four players in double figures. Out of the first three, you've got three different classes. You've got Cross, who, and I just forgot, uh, I think is a junior or sophomore? She's actually a yeah, transfer sophomore, yeah. Yeah, sophomore. Ray is senior. Sanders is the junior. Um, yep. You also have Daniels, who I had not gotten a chance to double check class. She's another senior. So you got you got three of, three of your classes represented there, with two of your seniors in your top four in scoring, all in double figures. And Austin, we should point out, Sydney Austin, nine point two points a game. She's a smidge under that that double digit, as it were, number. And she's another junior. You're getting obviously kind of what you're looking for, and that's yep. you know contribute contributions from everywhere. Yeah, we are. We, you know, we're getting um, a lot. We have a lot of depth. That's the one thing that we struggled with last year was, you know, we had three players that averaged double figures, and after that, it was really kind of a crapshoot. So um, this year, to have to have you know four players in double digits right now with a, a fifth one at nine, um, we got some great contribution. And so we're not just relying on one or two players to get the job done. It's any anyone's game to get any given night, and that's something I think has made us be successful so far. And there's a lot of us to have that success because we're not just relying on one or two players anymore. We, we have a, a handful of players that can contribute and go off for a big game any night. I think that's what will enable us to have success now and down the road. You're outscoring your opponents by 11.5 points a game, out-rebounding by four, four more assists uh, than your opponents have normally. Your turnover number isn't too bad. Uh, you're shooting, though, incredibly well at 43% and holding your opponents to 32 you're shooting from beyond the arc, 39% practically, holding your opponents below 20%. And you're shooting from the free throw line, which is a number I swear has been forgotten about over the years. You're at 73% in that category. Statistically, what we see on a box score or what we see in, in the season stats 
looks pretty solid. Is that a fair representation of how the team is doing? Or are there still, you know, obviously it's early in the year, but are there still keys that need to be improved upon? Well, you know, one thing we always talk about is, uh, you know, numbers don't lie. And uh, so, so far, so good. We'll, we'll take those numbers <laughs> and uh, kind of shocked by them, to be honest with you. Um, but I think that's what has allowed us to have the success this early. The, the one area that really, you know, frustrates me is just our, our turnover issue. You know, for example, today we, we win the game by 17 points, score 77, hold them to 60. And we had 26 turnovers. Uh, you know, clean that up, try to drop that down to 13 mm-hmm. or even 15. And, um, you know, you really blow them out. So um, we got to do a better job taking care of the ball. But as far as, you know, our free throw percentage, field goal free, and, and you know, inside the yard, um, it's looking good. And um, we're playing high percent basketball, trying to play from the inside out to get shots from the, the inside and not sell it for the outside shot as well. By this point next week, obviously, you'll be in the conference play with Baldwin or Mary Baldwin and Methodist. When you look at this conference schedule for next year or this year, you know, it's already looking like it's going to be a battle. North Carolina Wesleyan's mm-hmm. four and one. Averett's four and two. Uh, Mary Baldwin's three and two. Meredith's three and two, uh, though they play different styles of the game. That's just on your side of things. Berea's out to a five and one start. Maryville, Tennessee, always one that we keep an eye on is four and one. LaGrange is four and two. And obviously, this is non conference games. There's been only one conference game Piedmont versus Wesleyan. This, it's always a grind. How do you best prepare for it? And what are you already telling your players about, especially the new ones, about what to expect from this conference? Hey, well, it's always just taking it one day at a time, you know, <laughs> trying not to look too far ahead. Obviously, that's easier said than done. Um, <laughs> sure. But you know, that, that's, that's what we try to focus on. And it's just, you know, one day at a time, one game at a time, you know, one practice at a time because we have an ultimate goal. But it's about the journey and the process. It's not going to happen overnight. And so for us, it's just kind of trying to stay locked into the moment. And uh, not not really not not get too high or not get too low. You know, you, you can you have two options. You can kind of stay even kill us. We're trying to do right now. And so for us, it's just getting through this next game uh, on Wednesday. Uh, it's a home game for us against a nice D two opponent, um, which is kind of good for us from a recruiting standpoint to uh, play play a you know higher caliber team than the Division three team will typically play. And uh, after that, you know. We're, take that day off for Thanksgiving and then kind of refocus and get ready for conference play. Because you're right, it is a grind. And um, on any given night, anyone can beat anyone. So that's important for us to uh, remember that we still got to play the game and play it the right way. You're a couple years into it. Um, you know, this is your second season again. How Are you still kind of learning some things about you know what to expect of the program, what to expect of uh, the conference, and, and what to expect in Division Three to some degree? Yeah, you know, first of all, the conference, I mean, I think it's challenging all the way through. You know, even some of the teams last year that didn't have the best record, they, they still had tough, you know, tough games against them and, and so, so on and so forth. And so for us, it's just continuing to, you know, learn more by the conference. And each year is different, especially with where we're at. Every team wants to be competitive and have that competitive edge each year. And so um, it's just, once, once again, one day at a time, staying focused and staying locked into the task at hand. And that's um, all we can do. Well, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the insight. I'm fascinated with how you guys have started this season. Um, I, I'm just, I mean, again, Randolph-Macon, Christopher Newport, now the Bridgewater game, all signs that the team is heading in the right direction. Uh, the conference obviously will change things. We'll see how that shakes out, and we wish you all the luck. And we wish you good luck in St. Augustine. I mean, that could be a, a pretty big win for you guys, too, if you're able to pull it off. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I just wanted to say thanks for the uh, the call. Appreciate it, and uh, thanks for keeping up with us.
Absolutely. Take care. Safe travels the rest of the week, and uh, we'll look forward to talking about the Pacers down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. Absolutely. Here's Graham Smith joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Of course, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are presented by courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its team through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will to help take your broadcasts to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframe.com. That's www.blueframe.com. And of course, we now taking full advantage of the Blue Frame technology um, platform. Uh, we're now streaming on them. We're now simulcasting to Facebook and today YouTube through them. And we're on the OTT, which means if you can want you want to watch us on whether it be um, Apple TV. If you want to watch on Amazon, if you want to watch on um, the Roku app, we're showing the screen here. T1 Sports is the app you're looking for. You can watch us on Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, and Amazon Fire on those four. I know there's people watching tonight. Heck, our TV is up on it now. I have a feeling my family's TV is up on it for all I know. Uh, it is the way you can watch the show as well. Interact with us by tweeting us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Um, Facebook.com slash hoopsville is another way. I see a number of you have joined in. Thanks for taking the time. We're also, as we mentioned, on our back on our YouTube channel. One person, uh, Salar, saying it looks like Middlebury is a top five team. My response to him was Middlebury is certainly strong. I'm not sure if they're a top five is a given. There are a lot of good teams. I had them at 10 in the preseason. They uh, may move up a bit, but I'm not sure how high. We'll talk to uh, Bob Quillman, apparently, who thinks I'm legendary. And uh, Ryan Scott coming up here a little bit later in the show about their opinions on it. Right now, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk men's basketball with another team who's off to a tremendous start. They may have lost their last game out of the gate, but that doesn't diminish anything. They're 4-1. It's Oberlin. Talk to them with their longtime head coach, who you probably, you know what, haven't even thought to talk about. Yet he's somehow pulling it off, and he's not from the area. Well, he is, but he really isn't. Isaiah Cavaco joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline when we come back. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal training and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. Hope you're enjoying the show. Of course, from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, simulcasting to YouTube and Facebook tonight. As we continue to play with our broadcast, thanks to our partners at Blue Frame Technology to find out what works the best for everybody. Of course, uh, if you've gone to our show page, you have found us on our Blue Frame uh, site. Um, coming up, we're still going to talk top 25, uh, double take, as it were, with Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott. We will talk about our dubious, our debatable and our deep dive teams. Hopefully by then I've done enough work to have my choices ready to go. Uh, when you talk about the top 25, which will be new on Monday, there's going to be a lot of teams in the mix. There's going to be teams that, that were in the top 25 who are not out to great starts or maybe voters like myself miscalculated what they're going to bring to the table. There's going to be other teams that are going to maybe get some attention uh, and maybe get some votes you're not expecting or even if they don't get votes, they're going to be on the voters' minds because they're out to tremendous starts. One of the teams that caught my attention was Oberlin men's basketball. 4-0 start when it caught my attention. Unfortunately, a tough loss against Alma uh, at home 
on Saturday, but they've got Wittenberg ahead of them and then Waynesburg here around the Thanksgiving holiday. Figured, you know what, we don't get an opportunity to really talk to Oberlin all that much. Great start to the season. Let's see if they can continue it maybe and get a winning season for the first time in a long time for this program's history. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of Oberlin, it's Isaiah Cavaco. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, and I hope I said the name right. You did. Thank you for having me. Very good. Uh, absolutely. I, again, and it's trying to be fair to, to Oberlin. We don't get the opportunity to talk to you guys all that much because, one, there's a lot of other names in the N- N- NCAC that get our attention, but you guys have struggled in your history. You've got to be thrilled, even with a loss Saturday, to be out to the start you're at. Yeah, we're very happy about it. I think this is the first year, um, you know, the time that I've been here where you know, I feel like we have – different layers and different ways that we can try to be successful. And, um, you know, it's been fun to kind of tinker with that a little bit. And, and having seniors has been very nice. You're in your 14th season. Um, I, I think for some people that's, that, that's really surprising stability for a program like Oberlin. I, I'm curious what attracts you to, to stay here at Oberlin and continue the job despite what I know are, are steep challenges. Yeah, I think every time you kind of get yourself into, you know, a challenging situation, you know, you, you just want to compete and, and uh, you know, you always kind of see what it can be and, and you just want to see it through. I, mean, I think there are, there's a little bit of stubborn, uh, stubborn headedness in, in, in my approach. And, um, you know, it's been fun now watching our program evolve. I think I tried to figure some things out. It took me a while. Um, kind of gotten a, a better idea of, of how to recruit to Oberlin where the students uh, feel comfortable and, um you know, again, this is a great senior class that, that has seen everything and done everything, and, uh, and hopefully we can capitalize. You seem a little lost. I'm a little worried about you. Uh, you you're a native of Honolulu. You went to <laughs> school in California, but your coaching pedigree includes stops at Ohio University, Yale, of, of course, John Carroll, and now 14 seasons at Oberlin. You do know Ohio is not Honolulu, correct? I mean, it's, the weather's very different. <laughs> Yes, my family reminds me every day that uh, I made this life decision to uh, endure the snow and, and winter. Um, no, I, I tell you what, I, I love it. Um, you know, growing up as a kid in Hawaii, it's, it's a little slow. Um, you know, you're a little bit landlocked, obviously, yeah, because sure. everything is a five-hour flight. Yeah. Um, and then the East Coast was a little little bit fast for me, and, yeah. uh, you know, Southern California as well. So I, I'm very comfortable um, in terms of living here. and in Northeast Ohio. Uh, we should point out you played at Yale. Uh, that's kind of included the stop as, as a coach. Uh, and then again, John Carroll, some experience there, Ohio University, and now now you're here at, at Oberlin. And again, for the 14th season, you guys don't have a lot of winning records. I, I dare to ask when the last time it happened. And I know that's probably your main goal. So four and one start, You've got to feel pretty good. You're heading the right direction. The problem is the targets become a little bit bigger. People are probably taking you a little bit more seriously. But what's been the reaction of the team around a four and one start on the season? I think the reaction has been um, something we've we've had to talk about. I know a lot of coaches kind of just want to ignore that type of stuff. Um, you know, we've talked about making sure that we understand that you know this was a process. We were three years ago uh, a three win team. Um, you know, and, and the steps we've taken to get to this point have really just given us an opportunity to be good. So uh, we, we have talked about that a couple of times now. Uh, as far as, you know, the, the records, I'm not sure when the last winning record was. I know the last 500 record was mid-80s because mm. we tied that last year. Um, you know, but I think it's, 
the challenge or the goal is, you know, we want to host a, a conference tournament game. You know, last year we were one spot short of that. And, uh, you know, we feel like the whole league has gotten better. And I know I've definitely promoted that to our players so that they, uh, they understand they have to get better too. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you see the improvement. I, not to scare you or, or be bad about it, but, you know, 2013-14 was the last of three straight seasons of seven wins. Before that, it had been two. Then in 10 and 16, then 12 and 14, then 3 and 12, a little bit of a dip in 16-17, back to 12 and 14 and 17-18, and as you said, 500 last year. The program's building, clearly. The 4-1 and one start's going to help. You had a tough loss, though, against Alma. How much do you have to use what you've learned in that game and keep from, and I hate to use the word tailspin, but head back in the direction that the program normally heads in. So, you know, we really tried to emphasize in the wins that we had prior to the last Saturday's game. Um, You know, there's plenty of room for improvement. You know, we didn't feel like we closed the games out well in a couple instances. Um, You know, we felt like we had a couple of stretches within the game where shot making just covered up spots where we didn't really play the way we were supposed to. Uh, last night we got we got exposed on it, and um, you know obviously you can get everybody's attention um, in a loss a little bit more so than in a win. We know Wittenberg coming up on Tuesday is is the Wittenberg uh, like it always is. You know they're yeah. a dominant team, and uh, they do a great job of just you know really not beating themselves and, and kind of letting you make some mistakes. And you know I think that's a great challenge coming off of the way we lost uh, to Alma. Well, and the, currently the number five ranked team in the country. Who knows what they'll be on Monday? But that's not something that has has scared you guys in the past. You have had wins, especially in the last few years, over top twenty five teams. So there's guys on this on this squad that are, you know, are kind of used to this kind of game. Yeah, last year, you know, in the the last time we played Wittenberg, um, you know, we had a lead going into the end of regulation, and they got a couple, you know, foul line rebounds. Uh, offensive rebounds that, that ended up sending it to overtime and we ultimately lost. So there, there's definitely a sour taste in our mouth mm-hmm. from the last meeting with Wittenberg. And I know that the, the guys that were a part of that game are, are looking forward to, to getting another crack at it. Got out of the gate with a win at NYU in, in New York. Uh, of course, it was at Hunter, as everyone knows, NYU still rebuilding their place. Uh, mm-hmm. A win at Manchester, a win at home against Otterbein, and a win on the road against Heidelberg. You know, solid wins for, for, you know, Ohio games, as it were. Alma game got away from you guys. You guys had that one in con- not in control. They had a nice lead, 13 points or so, with about three and a half minutes left to go in that game. You lose it in overtime. Is that a case of just Alma found its stride at just the right time? Is it a com- combination maybe with, with some things falling apart for you guys? How would you describe the end of that? Yeah, I think it was a lot of both. I mean, give Alma a ton of credit. I remember, you know, looking at their schedule from a year ago. I mean, they played Pomona, Pitzer, Whitman, Illinois, Wesleyan. Uh, I know I'm leaving off some some high level programs. Mm-hmm. They did the same thing prior to coming to us this year. Uh, they had a Division One exhibition game and Augustana, Illinois, Wesleyan, et cetera. So when I watched this team, I knew that they were really good. And you know, I think it just was one of those situations where. You know, we cracked the door open just a little bit. Um, you know, we're maybe in situations prior to playing us. They they sort of maybe gotten hit with one more punch. Uh, and we left the door open, and then when we did that, they just kicked it down. So uh, a lot of credit just to their guard play was, was phenomenal. And, you know, we did make some mistakes that were somewhat uncharacteristic of, of having a, an experienced group. 
you had again, an, you know, an, a seventy fifty seven lead, um, and then it got tied, and, and and you, I think you guys scored three points in the final three and a half. And I've seen that from some of the best teams in the country. Is that one of those where you go into the locker room afterward and it's about raising spirits and not getting down about the loss? Or is it immediately about saying, hey, guys, remember these key moments and let's talk about them again tomorrow because those are the keys we want to make sure we're finishing? Yeah, you, you go in the locker room and you, and you just talk, and kind of talk about, you know, for 39 and a half minutes, you know, we were the better team against, you know, a, a group that I thought was really good. And I, I let the guys know that this was probably the best opponent we had played so far. And, um, you know, it was going to be a challenge to beat this group. So, you know, the fact that we were able to do it for that long was, was a major positive. Um, you know, I, I brought it up again today in our, our morning practice and we went through a little bit more of the, you know, here, here are the situations we need to be better at. And, uh, you know, we'll hit those live tomorrow. And, um, you know, like I said before, we were in this almost exact same scenario against Wittenberg last year. And, you know, let's see if we can hopefully be there again and, and do better. Let's take a look at this roster. You have a wide collection first of areas you are certainly familiar with um and and of classes so you've got six seniors on this team but you also have a plethora of california kids you also have some connecticut pennsylvania new york massachusetts maryland georgia um one out of montenegro uh and vermont you certainly have a wide range and it kind of reminds me a little bit overland has always had at least in my experience, an attitude or a feeling of we're like an Ivy. We should be able to collect from around the, the country and the world as well. Yeah, I, I think Oberlin's got a very, um, a very unique personality or, or character to it that I think, you know, when, when the right student finds Oberlin, that student will know that that's home. And I think that's kind of how, you know, we've invited recruiting uh, in terms of philosophy for us. So California makes a lot of sense for us. You know, obviously with the, the history of the school and, and being the first in a lot of areas, it's a little bit more of a progressive thinking place. And you're going to attract students from, you know, the greater Los Angeles area, San Francisco, Boston, New York City, et cetera. So I think those sort of find us a little bit. And then it's a matter of just learning at that point how to go out and evaluate, you know, players and see who's going to be the right fit for our culture. Uh, of course, the weather, another selling point. Do you just ignore that uh, and, and pretend that it doesn't exist until uh, they get there and go, oh, <laughs> did we forget to mention we have lake effect here? Oh, man, all August visits. Um, <laughs> nice. And, no, I, I think, you know, to be honest, a lot of the students that come from the West Coast, you know, originally uh, in their junior years maybe were looking at the NESCAC and we're looking at the UAA. Um, so they've already sort of gone through that stage. I think the you know some of those slightly higher ranked schools have to deal with that particular issue. I think with us, it's more of a, you know, okay, that's, that's the, the shiny penny school, but you know, this maybe fits me better. And I think there's kind of a process that goes along with that. So, um, you know, the weather and the location never really seems to be as big a deal as I would have thought when I first started. Um, you know, but we are close to Cleveland, the college itself is a pretty vibrant community. So, uh, there are definitely a lot of selling points. You have four top scorers in double figures. Three of them are seniors. The fourth is a freshman. Fioretti, uh, I apologize, Christian, if I screw that up, uh, you're senior at 18 and a half points a game. Uh, also one of your top shooters. They're actually all good shooters, not surprisingly, all good free throw shooters as well. Uh, Adasevic is your freshman. Campbell, the senior, and Friedkin 
also a senior, uh, 14, almost 15 points a game, 13 and a half, and almost 13 points a game, respectively. That's an interesting core there because you've got three seniors with a ton of experience up there, and then you got a freshman who's clearly making a splash in his opening five games. Yeah, Georgie has been, uh, you know, phenomenal for us. I think he just he opens the floor up for those other guys, I think, in, in previous years. Um, you know, you kind of had to like really align everybody and, and we had to play a little bit more deliberately than I would like to have, uh, just to make sure the space on the floor was better. Um, uh, but, but Georgie's really versatile and he's able to score from the three point line. He had a, you know, stealing a dunk the other night. Mm. So he's athletic enough to get some passing lanes. Um, so he's been a really nice addition. As far as the seniors go, you know, those three guys you mentioned, uh, Josh Christian and Dre. Uh, I think by the time this is all said and done, they will have combined a start for 11 seasons. Um, there's really nothing in a timeout that I can't draw up or, or defensive coverage that I can't switch, um, you know, that they haven't tried or seen or done in some way before. So, um, you know, having those guys' experience and, and leadership has been awesome. You, your team is shooting 46% from the floor in the opening five games. You're 39.5% from beyond the arc, 72% roughly from the free throw line. The only thing that jumps out of me that that seems to be a struggle might be rebounding, but you've still got a, a plus one advantage on the average there. Um, you've got to be pretty. Pl- you guys seem like a prototypical, um, well-rounded, executing type team. Like there's not. You seem to execute well. You you probably take really good shots. You do everything X's and O's properly. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's a pretty pretty good scouting report on us. Um, you know, I think the teams and, and Alma gave us trouble with this. Heidelberg gave us trouble and Manchester as well. I'm not trying to give out all of our obvious secrets. <laughs> Don't worry, I was uh, going there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the, the teams that kind of just spread out and, and can turn it into a little bit more of a pickup style um, mm. game give us trouble. Uh, it, it'll go one way or the other. You know, it, it'll be either they make a run or we make a run. Um, you know, but, but at late game situations, you know, that's kind of the frenetic pace that the game's seem to find and that's where we've struggled a little bit and, and that's something we need to we need to improve upon and you know hopefully as we go throughout the year we can develop a little bit deeper bench and and have a little bit more of a well-rounded scoring attack uh you're still you know positives uh, you're still four and one um mm-hmm. you still play 10 players pretty much every game i think it's eight for every single game 10 for all but one you're willing to go into that bench. You've got role players who are certainly up to the task. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the way I like to, to try and do it is, you know, we've got our kind of core seven, sometimes core eight. And, uh, you know, for us players, kind of nine through 14 are all the next best at something. Hmm. And sort of whatever that, that particular game calls for, you know, that's where we go. And, um, you know, sometimes if you're just not sure, you know, there's a good group of guys that I trust to, to know our defensive rotations make smart decisions and, you know, the game pace might not be right for them. Um, and then we make an adjustment, but, uh, you know, there's definitely a group of guys that I, that I trust putting on the floor and, and we know that they're going to execute the way we need them to. Again, you got two home games ahead, Wittenberg and Waynesburg, um, around the, the Thanksgiving holiday on the road against Kenyon at home against DePaul and on the road against defiance. That's all still ahead of you before you take your, your uh, semester break and come home and it's nothing but conference play the rest of the way what's the 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 key and message to the team not only for the game against Wittenberg but in this in this final six as it were before the holiday break or hot yeah, five I, I apologize I, five I know it's the the cliche answer but you know we we just really need to focus on ourselves getting better because I think the the one thing that you know um, we looked at last year's stats and and you know 
watch the games, obviously, from last season. And we went into this year saying, you know, we need to do better with the free throw margin, so not fouling as much and maybe attacking the basket a little bit more, mm-hmm. the rebounding margin, and then, you know, for having two senior guards uh, and so many experienced guys playing, we need to, to win the turnover margin every game. So mm-hmm. those three kind of categories, I guess, statistics have been our focus all year long. So uh, in the games that we feel like we've played well, we've had a comfortable lead in all three. So uh, I think continuing to focus on those things um, as we go into this stretch of conference, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the personnel because all these guys know each other so well at this point, just making sure that we're still focused on those three, mm-hmm. three main factors. Um, and then just making sure we compete. You know, I think conference play usually comes down to, you know, who's going to get that 50, 50 ball or, or who's going to get that, that rebound at, you know, crunch time. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Well, I appreciate the time it, Coming on the show and chatting, I, I feel like the Yeomen are not that far away from maybe uh, getting into the mix with the NCAC. Is, is this a conference? I know you've made the playoffs six of the last seven seasons. Is this a conference that that can uh, be yours a little bit more than just getting into the bottom of the playoff ladder? That's the goal. Um, I, I, I think I think so. I think the nice thing about this league, you know, last year Allegheny took Worcester to the very wire. Um, you know, the one versus eight game last season. I think you can really look at this league and one through ten on a given night can beat anybody. So um, it's going to be an interesting season. I think there will be a lot of uh, upsets. I think the the fact that we have three ranked teams uh, in our conference gets everybody up for the, all the games, and um, you know, it's, it's a real. It's a real joy to play in this league and, and to coach some some of the best student athletes in the country and go against some of the best teams in the country. Well, I appreciate the time, as I said. Uh, congratulations to the start. Appreciate you coming on, especially after the loss to Alma. But I know those games can be just as a, as as fascinating and insightful as wins can be. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Hey, we thank you for for the coverage, and uh, hopefully, everybody has a good, safe, and uh, enjoyable season. Awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. If we don't talk to you, have a great holidays as well after that. And we'll look, we look forward to actually talking about Oberlin the rest of the season as well. I hope you do too. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Absolutely. Isaac uh, Cavaco joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, 4-1. and one. They'll take on Wittenberg here coming up on the 26th, then the 30th against Waynesburg. So you get you know, that nice little Thanksgiving sandwich. Uh, and as we mentioned, at Kenyon on the 4th of December, on, uh, at home against DePaul on the 7th, and on the road against Defiance on December 10th before they take their holiday break. Hey, watch out for Oberlin. Looks like maybe they have finally figured some things out, like the MITs, the NESCACs of the world. You you don't have to just be either a student athlete who's a good student and, and or a great student. You can be both and, and be successful. We'll take a break. When we come back, Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott join me, and we do the top 25 double take, who are dubious, are debatable, and are deep dive teams. It'll be fascinating to find out. We'll even maybe talk about some of the best players that we're seeing so far out there in the country. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by, uh, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops Hope when we come back. Something I discovered to myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. 
It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Those are all the fun ways to get a hold of us. We are keeping track of everybody. Uh, we know you're watching, and we appreciate it. Uh, if you, uh, you can even join us on our simulcasts on YouTube and on Facebook. If you've got questions, we'll try and answer them there as well. Lots of ways to stay in touch with us. Um, all right, so now our time on Sundays, uh, where last year Ryan Scott joined us, and every once in a while Bob would join us. This year, we're going to get them in here, both of them, at the same time for a little bit more fun debate because we get the chance to kind of get more than just two heads in on this. And um, 
get a couple of different opinions. You know what? We have our first top 25 poll tomorrow um, on Monday in season. And at the end of this, I'll quickly go through the women's side. Not that I vote, but we can talk a little bit on what we think might happen on the women's side before we wrap up the show. So we'll go to the Blue Frame Technology Skype Hoopsville Hot. <laughs> well, it's so it's my hometown, Chicago, and it's my wife's hometown, New York. So I I also like to represent like the East Region and the Central Region. Do you see how I'm working this in? Thank you. Thank you. Correct. South Region. Yes. I have clipped out there for a second. My audio's back. So my question to you guys is, obviously, we're going to do the usual dubious deep dive debatable. we got to vote for next week for the first time. Quick reactions. We always know the men's side's difficult. How difficult is it really going to be for tomorrow's vote? I think, I think extremely difficult because there's a whole bunch of good teams that have lost games. And then there's a, a we were just talking about off the air, there's a lot of teams that have won big games and lost big games, you know, like St. Thomas beat Nebraska Wesleyan, but they lost to Whitworth and Nebraska Wesleyan beat St. John's, but they lost to St. Thomas. You can go down the line and it's just hard to make sense of how to, how to sort out a top 25. And I, I think Ryan, you'd agree that it's a pretty difficult top 25 ballot tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's always the, the decision that you have to make between what is a very small sample size still of actual games being played and what the teams are bringing in, you know, and what we know these teams are capable of and the players coming back um, and, and sort of balancing when do you start letting the play on the floor trump sort of uh, the expectations coming in. And I'm not quite sure we're there at that point yet, especially for some teams that have only played two games. But um, for others, we've really seen a lot. You know, St. Thomas has showed a lot on the floor already. Bob, you made an interesting comment on D3 boards, which, by the way, I, I recommend everybody go to at D3 boards uh, to chat about what you think is, is going on in Division Three. You made an interesting comment because you said, you know, at some point you ignore – the preseason data, the preseason information, the preseason expectations, and rely solely on in-season. And I completely agree. I, I almost it, it almost seemed bold that you were saying it's it's mid-December. So you're you're saying that at mid-December it's finally okay. Enough's enough. I, I can only focus on now. You don't pull that trigger sooner. It could be even. A, it's about mid-December, a little later. You know what we'd all agree is that the preseason ballot is based a hundred percent on what we think about teams coming in. There are no games to use as data, and at some point we move to where where a hundred percent of our vote is based on the current season's results. We're in. We're now in that period where every voter has to figure out the weighting of those two things. And clearly, here after four games, I think we're still anchored by. Hey, Oshkosh won the national championship. We we know they're a great team. Maybe we cut them a break for a couple losses to good teams. But at some point, and I think it's mid to late December, you kind of forget about what you thought and you just go with what you're what you're seeing. Brian, your thoughts? Yeah, I was I think I mentioned on the boards, maybe it was even in, in reply that I say at least two more weeks really before everybody's played enough games that you could start to tell 
who's doing what on the floor this year, um, you know, where the chemistry issues come in. That's the other thing is this. These aren't professionals, right? These are college kids. So you don't know uh, a really rough on a team and you don't know that till they're playing games right it, it's not the same season as last year even if you have a lot of the same players um and and really some of it's guesswork we got a team bringing back all their starters from last year that doesn't mean they're going to be better it might mean they're going to be better it might mean they're going to be a lot better but they may still be the same team they were last year and we don't know till they're playing fair point but guys all right let's get into it at this point we'll go we'll start with our dubious teams and man this list could be long your, your challenge here, gentlemen, is you can only stick to one. You can't be listing six at this point in time. So it's a challenge, and I appreciate that it's a challenge. I'm going to start with Ryan on this, and we didn't, we didn't go through these. But, Ryan, who's your dubious team? All right, so the team that I'm going to bring up is, is bad because I'm headed there in about five days uh -oh. for the weekend tournament. But uh -oh. I feel like Christopher Newport may be a little bit high where they are uh, sitting at number nine in the preseason poll. They lost to Johns Hopkins, so I assume they may drop a little bit. Um, just not a team we, we've we've seen that much from this year. They've had a number of close games. Um, they lost, you know, Marcus Carter, who was the really just dragged them to the Final Four last year and was just a tremendous individual performance. They have a lot of experienced guys, but but maybe not guys who've stepped up yet, and I'm a little dubious right now. Sorry, John Krikorian. All right, Chris. I think it's a fair one, though. Fair one. Bob, what's, who's yours? Well, first I'm going to say that I, I did go to Google today to make sure I knew the exact definition of dubious. So I'm going to <laughs> disclare, or disclaim that right now that I did check that out. Um, and I was generally correct, but I'm glad that I did it. Um, I'm going to go with the team that I have very high on my ballot, and you guys know I'm a huge fan of. I just, I'm questioning if I've got them maybe a little too high, and that's Wash U. Um, they are number seven in the poll. And I'm just looking at some of their results. You know, they, they, they beat Whitewater in a really close game. And I think Whitewater is kind of on the fence. Whitewater just lost to Monmouth, I believe. Um, Platt, or they lost to Platteville, uh, a game that I would have thought a team with kind of everyone coming back would have, would have beat Platteville. And then the other night, last night, Washu uh, just kind of squeaked by Eau Claire one point. And Eau Claire is, I believe, picked seventh out of eight teams in the WIAC. So I think WashU is really a good team. I'm just wondering kind of what I'm seeing right now and if they're truly as high as I have them. Uh, they can't. Now I got my audio back. I think those are fair. I think those are fair. Um, my dubious is, is <laughs> I'm doing this to myself because I have them number five, but my dubious is, is WPI. And they've been dubious for me, to be honest with you, since, uh, well, since I put my ballot in um, <laughs> way back in, in October. I, I, I like how they play. I like they got, what, 95, 97% of their scoring offense back this year. I think they're a really good team. The problem was they stumbled out of the gate in a way I wasn't appreciative. Now, they have, what, one loss on the season, I think? It's not like this is the most horrific vote that's probably ever been given. But I'm still a little dubious of that maybe I, I bought a little too much into them when I was critical of others in similar situations. Um, and, and we've seen them peak early, and I think that loss scares me just oh, a wee bit. And so my mm. dubious is WPI. I feel like maybe I, I didn't I, – I, did, I gave him a little too much. I mean, you shouldn't be losing to New England College, um, especially at home uh, on top of that. So my dubious is them. Um, they've won four straight since, but it's Eastern Connecticut, Salem State, who I was way off. 
on Eastern Nazarene, sorry, Ryan, uh, and Mass Boston. Um, and it's, we're not going to get another true test to see him until uh, Tufts on the 3rd of December, Albertus Magnus on the 7th, but really January, or January 8th when they take on uh, WP, uh, I'm sorry, MIT. So I, I might have been a little dubious. Maybe they're dubious in general at 16. Maybe they should be near closer to the bottom. Yeah, that's one of those teams, you know, they bring back everybody, but they were, you know, sort of a, a second-tier team last year, right? They, they weren't up in the top 25. They were maybe sort of hovering below there from a pretty competitive conference. And and you just don't know bringing everyone back, is that going to be a big improvement right. or or are they who they are? And and we don't really know yet. I agree. I, I do not have them in uh, this coming ballot, the one that's due tomorrow. I, also, I have them on the outside looking in, just kind of on what I call my watch list, but I do not have them in my top 25. I'll, I'll still have them on my poll. I just don't know if 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 I – I mean, I shot the moon at five, um, mm-hmm. and we can make this argument on other teams too. I just – that's my dubious. All right, let's take a debate. We'll, we'll debate one. We're taking one on this one because I think it's a good team – we all have very different opinions on. We'll start with Bob on this, but we're going to start. We're going to talk Wabash here, a team that also only has one loss, but there's a lot of debate about who they really are, Bob. Yeah, I think coming in, we have a lot of respect for Wabash. They have one of the best uh, perimeter players in the country, and Jack Davidson. He's phenomenal, and uh, they've they've got one loss. It was, uh, I believe, in the final seconds, if not at the buzzer, to a really good center team. For me, I have Wabash as literally like Team 26, the first team out of my top 25. And it's not that I I don't think they're good. It's just that they lost the home game. You know, I'm really big in where the game's played. And to me, you should should win your home games if you're truly a top 25 team. They lost the home game. And uh, I've got them on the outside looking in. If they string together a couple more, I'll probably have them back. Ryan? Yeah, so... um I, to use the word dubious, um, <laughs> last year, Wabash didn't finish great, right? They're a young right. team. Um, they they started off, you know, like something 12 or 14 in a row that they won. Um, but they lost five in the last month of last year, um, which it means a lot to me because they're bringing back a lot of that team, right? And you want to see some growth. Um, that center game, they had in hand. And they let center come all the way back and win that game. I watched most of it. Um, you know, and it's a team that, that didn't finish real strong last year and, and right away in their first big test um, didn't necessarily have what it took to close out. And that's been my big question about Wabash. So we're going to need to see some more games. And of course, they're in a good conference. They'll have some coming up where they can do that. But I want to see that growth. And it kind of goes up to the next level for a team like this that can really close out these games that they need to win. The great thing is that they're going to get uh, they're going to get to play Elmhurst here on uh, November 30th. So very soon we will get to see, uh, I I believe Elmhurst might jump into the top 25 poll so we could see two really good teams face each other. And uh, that'll, that'll teach us a lot. Two really good guards too. Yeah. And the funny thing is your argument about the center game is why I'm fine with leaving them in right now. Um, I, I think they're a solid team. I've got them 11. I might dip them a little bit from there, but you know, Yes, they lost to center. I think center is underrated, and I think center should be up in the conversation, and thus I'm going to play the game of, well, if I really think center should, is a better team than, than is being given credit for, and Wabash lost by one, yes, in a tough way, which a lot of teams lose by, then I think Wabash is, is by default is also proven to be a top 25 team. 
Do I keep him at 11? I Probably not. I probably move him down towards 15 for a bit, see what more results are. But I still think Wabash is a top 25 squad, and I think you know that race in general in that conference is going to be insane this year. You know, we had Oberlin on the show um, and talking about how good a start they're having to the season. You've got Wittenberg, interesting enough, off to a very slow start. And I just mean total games. They've only played two. Um, hmm. And you've got others. But that that NCAC, and we saw it last year, we saw it in the OAC as well, are going to eat their young. <laughs> and And really, it might cost them some extra bids that they deserve. But that group... His turn, and, and if the MIA could come back, it'd be great. Is turning into the WIAC CCIW of the Great Lakes region, where though you know it's going to be them accumulating all the regional rankings and be the only conversation of the block. I think Wabash is pretty good, despite that loss to Center. I think Center is is a better team than than people appreciated. Center was on my watch list at the beginning of the season too. I should point out, I just didn't pull the trigger on voting for them because I wanted to see how they did. And now they've. They've proven a lot to me as well. I've got them like, you know, when I started my ballot this week, I, I put teams in certain order based on head-to-head games, and I put center and right below them Wabash, and I didn't know where I was ranking those two yet. And I started adding teams that I wanted to get in, and it, the, the funny thing, the way it ended up is center ended up being my number 25 team. And so if Wabash is one below center, Wabash ended up number 26 and out. So I agree with you. They're a very good team, and I expect they're, they're going to be back in my ballot. I'm interested to see what the other voters do this week with Wabash. Sure. All right, let's take a deep dive on, on a team. And again, this one is wide open considering the, the start of this season. Um, I'm going to limit it, you, you guys to one. I'm sorry. One team on a deep dive. Uh, well, uh, let's see. Uh, Ryan, I, get, I gave you dubious, and I had uh, we had Bob start on debatable, but you didn't get to pick one. So let Bob go with the deep dive first. Yeah, I'm going to go on the the deep dive. I'm going to go with the team that we made fun of Street and Smiths for, for putting uh, uh, this team in their top 10, which I still (laughs) think is crazy. But I'm going to go with Monmouth of the the MWC. Monmouth has one of the best players in the country for sure. Wow. And Will Carius. They are, now now hear me out here, they're they're 4-0. Okay. And. And look, they they beat Whitewater, and I know that I just kind of dinged WashU because they played a close game against Whitewater. But if you're Monmouth and you're trying to make a case, hey, that's a big win for Monmouth to go to Whitewater and win that game. So I, you know, the MWC is interesting to me because you have Saint Norbert picked to win it. I think Monmouth is picked second, and I just saw on video Lake Forest play for 40 minutes, and Lake Forest is a really good team. Yeah. So. I, I'm interested in the MWC, and so my deep dive team is going to be the uh, the Scots of Monmouth. You make a good argument, sir. I will not deny you that. I, at the beginning, I was a little uh, starstruck and, and stunned by your decision. <laughs> by the end, though, you made a good argument with the Lake Forest side of that. Um, Ryan, your your thoughts on a on a deep dive? So I'm I'm going to be deep diving for a two and two squad here. Mm. Um, I went up to Swarthmore the other night and I, I saw TCNJ play. Okay. Um, that's going to be my deep dive team. Really, really strong squad. A lot of seniors on that team. Some real size. Swarthmore started out a little slow, but you know the last 30 minutes of that game, they were the Swarthmore we saw in the championship game last year. And TCNJ went toe-to-toe with them. Um, didn't get nervous, didn't get rattled by the pressure and, and the speed that Swarthmore plays at. Uh, and then I found out afterwards from from Coach Matt Goldsmith that they're missing their their starting 
uh, four guy. And um, so they, they lost that one, seven points at Swarthmore, but they played excellent. A um, couple nights before that, they lost at Hamilton, another really good team. Uh, both of those games without one of their starters. Uh, and, and I think just from seeing them on the floor, they're going to be the class of, of the NJAC this year. And I, I think they'll really surprise some people. I like that because the TCNJ's kind of been on my radar. I like that, I thought. Two and two scares me a little, but I like it. Um, yeah, my they've got like four, four seniors getting big minutes. It's, it's yeah. you know, that, that matters. Uh, I'm going to admit, I... I didn't know where my deep dive was going to go. I, I knew I was stuck in the Centennial Conference since I've seen mm-hmm. a little bit of Centennial games. Uh, I'm not going with your Washington College, sir, uh, especially after the loss this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought of you. Um, I was going to go Muhlenberg, who are out to 6-0 and start, but when you look at it, they had a close game against Brennanthon. There's some other things about that 6-0. and Good for them. Don't love it. I'm going Hopkins. Um. They lost a few pieces from last year's team, but Josh Leffler, I don't know what he does, but man, can he coach and can this team play? I saw them against my alma mater. It wasn't even a game. They beat Christopher Newport to start the season by four. Um, They got past York, who I think is a pretty solid team, debatable whether they're in the top 25. I have them right on the bubble at 25. Um, I, I think they're good. I'll see them again on Tuesday. Uh, when they take on McDaniel, they've got ahead of them Moravian, Gettysburg, Muhlenberg. They got a good test before we even get deep into into to Christmas, and then they got Swarthmore at their place December tenth. So they got a tough test to start. But I think Hopkins is better than people realize, and as a team, we're going to be talking about much of the season and what is going to be a fascinating centennial battle. Yeah, this is one of those uh, head-to-head games that I, I brought in. I, I mentioned Center and Wabash. I did the same thing with uh, Johns Hopkins and Christopher Newport. So I think Christopher Newport's a good team. I, I agree with Ryan that they could be a little high. But I figured Johns Hopkins should be ranked higher. And so I brought them into my ballot based on that win, and they're 4-0. And I actually have Johns Hopkins number 11 on my top 25 this week. Now, I, I could have them a little bit too high, but I, I'm, I'm pretty high on them. You put them 11. I've got them 11. That's better than your WPI preseason pick, Dave. <laughs> Fashion my picks here. Gee. Listen, I have I had WPI 5. They only lost one. So um, I don't know if I'll put Hopkins 11. But to be honest with you, this is one of those polls where, where anything's possible. It, yep. it feels like you start over to some degree. But you're, as you have we said, you get stuck in this no man's land of you're still understanding who teams are potentially going to be versus what you've seen out of the gate versus to be honest just randomness that sometimes happens um by the way i did see an ugly game the other day mcdaniel versus christendom <laughs> never want to see that again um some uh, i just i was thinking about randomness and somehow christendom randomly scored about 30 some odd points um all right one team we didn't talk about that i think is we, we need to talk about, and that's the defending champs. Two and two. Yeah. Two straight losses. Those straight losses being to Carthage and Elmhurst in the Oshkosh's attempt to be a member of the CCIW stretch of their season. Um, I, I, Bob, I'm going to start with you since it's CCIW teams. I don't know what to make of this from the defending champs. It's uh, fascinating. Uh, well, well, first real of all, quick, because I, 
real quick, because I do want to point out, as I said at the beginning of the show, are you telling me Carthage and Elmish is better than Augustana and North Central? Well, let's take those separately. North Central, I think, is a different conversation. They returned all of their team from the CCIW's Pool A team. So I think they're in one bucket. They're, they're picked to win the league. Augustana, if you put Augustana, Illinois Wesleyan, Carthage, Elmhurst, neutral floor, pick them ball games all across those, those four. So if you're asking is Oshkosh, you know, where do they stand relative to those, those teams right there? Um, who knows, right? Like I think North Central is in their own little category in the CCIW. But let's let's look at what's happened here. So Oshkosh won at Augustana. It's a great win. That's a hard place to win. Augustana has a whole new nucleus playing together. They have good players. That's a hard, hard place to win. Oshkosh won at North Central. That's a hard place to win. The CCIW favorite. They won at their place. Then they go to Carthage, picked fourth in the CCIW. Carthage gets them in a game that Carthage led most of the way. Oshkosh shot it terribly. A lot of that had to do with Carthage defense. Not the best night for the Titans. Then they host. They finally come home. <laughs> they play Elmhurst, picked fifth in the CCIW. And Elmhurst is out to something like a, I don't know what it was. Was it 20 to 5 or something? Some crazy lead. Elmhurst led that game coast to coast, probably by an average margin of 7 or 8 points. So, uh, I'll have some more thoughts on kind of how I would rank all these teams, but what a crazy start, Ryan, to the season for the defending champs. Yeah, and that's this is the crazy thing is they've lost two games, and I still considered keeping them at number one in my spot in my poll. You know, like it's just a, it, it's such a strong team, and you can see that. And it's not like they're playing pushover teams, right? The CCIW is probably going to be the strongest conference in the country this year, I'm guessing, based on what we've seen so far, just top to bottom. The 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 depths of those teams but it's just so early to tell you know you look at those games I thought Augustana looked better than North Central they're playing the same team two days apart right but when you look at the teams I'm pretty sure North Central's the better team in that you know if they play a hundred times North Central's definitely winning more than half of those games um and and the way Oshkosh started in those two games they lost they did manage to come back against Carthage just not far enough um, I still think they've got all the talent we saw at the beginning of the year. And it goes back to what we were saying at the top. I'm just not sure I've seen enough games to let, you know, those those losses dictate where I'm voting right now. And kudos to Oshkosh and those CCIW teams for scheduling these games, because this gives us wonderful things to talk about and, and, and the ability to to look at these teams and figure out how good they are. If you compare it to I'm just I'm going to take a small shot here to our friends in the Northeast Amherst. So Amherst, uh, the teams Amherst has played so far this season, I think are, I wrote it down, they're 27 and 50 last year. LaSalle, Elmira, and is it Fritchburg State? I hope I'm saying all those right. Um, yeah. Amherst is going to stay up in the top three or four. They haven't played anybody. Meanwhile, Oshkosh, who if you put Oshkosh and Amherst on a neutral floor, I'll give you Amherst at about eight points, but you put them on a neutral floor. I would uh, guarantee you that Oshkosh would be the favorite, not that they'd win. They'd be the favorite, but yet now Oshkosh is going to fall because of strength of schedule. And kudos to the teams that go out and play good teams. You guys know that I'm kind of a big, hey, let's get the good teams playing each other. And I love that Oshkosh scheduled these games. See, I, I'll say one thing about Amherst. I, I agree. We've all knocked the Nescak a little bit 
for not going out there and challenging themselves. Some do. The women absolutely do. The men, it depends on the team. Middlebury tends to have a little bit better track record in that category. The one thing that that Dave Hickson had mentioned to me, I want to say a year ago, that I found fascinating, and I think it's something we need to continue to watch, is that now that with the earlier start, November 8th, um, and NESCAC teams still delayed on when they can start their seasons, we're starting to get a bigger and bigger gap between start points. And as a result, a lot of the teams coming out of the gate, get some games done, they look at Amherst going, we don't need you. You know, we don't need to play you. And so Amherst is kind of stuck going, okay, who, who's available for games? We need to find some games. That said, Amherst um, and a few others are certainly known for coming out of the gate against eh, opponents um, or who they think they are. Williams has learned the hard way sometimes. But so I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's both. I, there's an element of, go, come on, challenge yourself a little bit better. And second, Neskak hamstringing themselves a little bit. I, I'm going to be fascinated. I think it's next year or the year after. There's something like a two-week, maybe larger gap between start points. I could have that wrong because I thought the Neskak started earlier than I expected. I thought Neskak wasn't allowed to start until the weekend, but you know, this weekend, uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. But I, I obviously have that wrong. But anyway, I uh, just wanted to raise that point. See, your point, though, Bob, real quick, is where I'm going to get stuck because I have Oshkosh 4 in the preseason poll. I have Amherst 8. And you're right. I, I don't think Oshkosh is not better, or I should say Amherst is not better than Oshkosh. But that means I'm going to have to drop Amherst. And I'm going to have yes. to somehow put teams up above because I don't know if I can keep Oshkosh too when they lost to the two teams I thought weren't as were, were, weren't as good as the two teams they beat. This is uh, this is really confusing. I thought through this. How do you rank the, the four CCIW teams that, and again, talking here about North Central, Augustana, Elmhurst, and Carthage, and I think my alma mater, Illinois Wesleyan, is, is going to be in this conversation sooner or later. They certainly but look those good. Those that I mentioned, how do you rank them, the ones that played Oshkosh? And you get in this circle of death, and yeah. the way – that I've got it is in this poll. You know, I had North Central number one. I'm the guy that ranked them one. And I had Augustana like number 12, and I did not vote for Carthage or Elmhurst. I have Elmhurst on my ballot as the highest CCIW team in the neighborhood of 12. And I've got uh, Carthage at 16, North Central at 17, and Augustana at 24. And from what I saw in those games, I mean, I watched all those games. From what I saw, the best performance was that Elmhurst really domination of Oshkosh. And I can't, I feel bad, like, ignoring that result and saying, yeah, but I thought Oshkosh, they were the defending champs, and I thought that they were, like, unbeatable. I saw from my own eyes, Elmhurst looked the best in those games, and Carthage looked the second best. So I'll probably get burned by this, guys, but that's how I'm sorting CCIW. But this might be a good example the opposite way, right? We talked about those teams like WPI or somebody like a St. John Fisher that brings back so much from last year, and you don't know whether that's going to mean an improvement. Elmer's is a team we've been talking about for several years, right? They've had a ton of talent, and we they I would say they probably underperformed last year probably from what we expected of them. And so this is a team that we've always known was capable of this sort of thing, and they may just continue it right out, right? I mean, that team is talented enough. They could go and win that CCIW, even with how difficult it is. The North Central part of it's confusing to me, again, because I had them number one, and it's like anyone that wants to bash me to say, you had them number one, and they lost one game to the defending champs, and now you have them 17. 
But every game matters, right? And and now you have to look at Oshkosh and say, well, if Carthage beat them and Elmhurst beat them, then North Central's loss isn't as good as we thought it was, right? And so you have to say, eh, if North Central's really like a number one, two, or three team, they needed to win that game at home. They have all of their players back. Oshkosh has a new backcourt. They're figuring things out. So I'm looking at North Central saying you should have won that game. And now you can work your way back up the pole from wherever you end up. Well, and, and back to your quick point, and, and we and we brought this up earlier, um, you know, when do you start focusing only on this season versus information you have on what you think the team will be? And that kind of gets me to that question. You said, you know, by well, second week of December, you're all in on the season, which is fine. I, I'm not... I'm not second guessing that thinking on your part whatsoever, because I find myself in a gray area, too. But it's interesting because your conversation about these teams is nothing to do with that preseason point. You've got to make it you're 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 having to make a gut decision and you're in your riding on this season. And that's fair. I'm, I'm not I'm not critiquing or, or criticizing or anything about that. I find it fascinating. And I think and that's what people have to appreciate. Here's, well, here's where I'm going with Oshkosh is. The big thing about them is that they didn't return everybody. And, no. and in my head, the big player they lost, and I'm going to reverse this a little bit. The guy I've been talking about is they lost Ben Boots. Oh, but absolutely. as Ryan has very accurately said, the, the Peterson kid, is it oh. Peterson? I think yeah. his name yeah. Eric Peterson. He's been great. Statistically, he's been great. You know the, the position that Oshkosh is desperately missing is the two. It's, it's Brett Wichow. Yeah, true. So listen to these stats. So Brett Wichell last year, 14 points a game, five rebounds, three assists. The starting two at Oshkosh right now through four games, three points, two rebounds, mm. one assist. Brett Wichell shot 41% from three. The current two starter for Oshkosh is, is shooting 13% from three. Is Oshkosh moving the basketball like they were last year? Their assist to turnover ratio last year was 1.5 to one, which is stellar. This year, Oshkosh assist to turnover ratio is 0.90. Mm. That's not very good for an elite team. So, um, by the way, Oshkosh's two guard is a really good player, JT Petrie, who can yep. play. If you're starting at Oshkosh, you're a stud. True. He's going to get better. But he's a guy like on most teams in Division Three. He's been thrown into the starting lineup. He's figuring out how to do what he's doing. And I think right now Oshkosh isn't quite moving the ball like they were, and they're certainly not shooting it. And, uh, again, I thought Boots was the guy they were going to miss, but I think right now it's Brett Wichow's spot that's really hurting them. That's a well, and, great point. And I was just going to say on, on the other side of that, you've got a team like St. Thomas that we knew was good, but definitely the team they put on the floor last year had a ceiling, right? We knew that they were only going to get basically as far as they did. And you didn't know what was coming out, right? They graduated a few guys, and, and you didn't know what they were bringing back. And yet they fly out to Washington. They do the Whitman-Whitworth double, which is not easy to do. That's like a three-and-a-half-hour bus ride between those places. And then they've gone to Chicago this weekend, playing Nebraska Wesleyan. And they're not just playing. They're playing really well. Yeah. You know, that, that Whitworth game was kind of a head-scratcher because what they've done in their other games, you know, they dismantled that Whitman offense. I know they're not as good as they have been the last few years, but they play a certain style, and they don't get knocked out of it too often. And so that's another one where you see them on the floor, and you're saying they may be playing a little better than what we expected this team to be able to do. But now after five games, the same way you start to question Oshkosh, you, start to ha you have to sort of give St. Thomas the credit to say maybe they've jumped this level we didn't expect. 
I think they're really good. I, I watched uh, some of that Midway Classic, and I, th- I thought Nebraska Wesleyan today looked awesome against Chicago from the 10-minute point of the first half on. They look, they're so smooth and efficient. And then I watched that St. Thomas game today against DePaul, and St. Thomas is very good, very talented. I felt like you could – I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Nebraska Wesleyan played St. Thomas in a Final Four type game. Like, those two teams are that good. The other thing that, guys, I'll say from watching all these games is usually I feel like there's like a tier at the top of like top five teams. And then there's like this, hey, everyone else from six to 25 is kind of even. I'm starting to feel like one to 25 is not that big a gap. Um, I'm not as high on Swarthmore as probably everyone else is. I think they're awesome. Um, I'm going to have them number one. But Swarthmore versus Wabash, <laughs> that's, I don't know. I think that's a pretty even game. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's true. But I do no, agree I, that I they're, agree. Not as, they're not head and shoulders above um, everybody else. You know, the, the Swarthmore, what they have is so many weapons. They've got 10 guys yeah. on that team who could score 20 points in any game if they needed to, you know. And, and I thought at the beginning of the year you had those three teams at the top, right, the ones that got first place votes, Oshkosh, Swarthmore, North Central, and it really felt like they were a cut above, and we learned the first week they're not. Because, right. you know, even Swarthmore had a, a tight game against Newman, which is a team they shouldn't be anywhere close to, you know, and, and it certainly shows they're vulnerable. And I, I don't think anybody uh, is significantly better than anyone maybe in the top 20 right now. I'd, yeah. add, I'd add Emory to that list of three, and even they had a tough game against Barry. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with the point there. I find it fascinating, and we could talk more and more and more about this until we're we're you know beating ourselves into the ground on it. Maybe we'll change Bob's ballot um, just for the fun of it, because you might go back and, and second guess it. But um, I'm not going to. Obviously, we don't want to keep going too far. But it, you know, this is this is what makes the top 25 on the men's side so darn fascinating, is that we get wide open um, debates because you can do this circle, as you said, Bob of death. And not come out of it any better than you went into it. Um, I don't know. By the way, great point on the two. The other thing I'll say about Oshkosh is that what really worked last year was the inside-outside. They had the inside threat that Flynn came along and really became a dominant force inside. But they had the outside shooting that allowed them to... A lot of teams not to to be forced to double-team Flynn. They had to respect everybody on the floor. If the two isn't performing as your as early stats are indicating, and, and you're right, Petrie's a good player. I remember watching him last year. Then Flynn's going to take more attention, and now Oshkosh has got a problem because you he can't be you can't be allowing that double team to happen if you can't be hitting shots outside, and that could and be I a vulnerability. Be, I think they're going to shoot it well. Like I, I think if you give this a whole year, those stats that, that I read sure. are going to change. But right now. Oshkosh isn't shooting the three as well as they did last year, and they're not distributing it. So, again, if I had to bet who's going to win the national championship right now, I'd probably still – I'd put my money on Oshkosh. But this this week, based on what I have seen, I'm not going to have them up in the top, even the top ten, to be honest. I get it. Gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts before we let you go? No, other than I'm going to be at Christopher Newport this weekend. They're they're doing a great tournament, bringing in UT Dallas and uh, Wisconsin Stevens Point along with Wilmington. Uh, they're doing a classic format. Um, so 
Wilmington and uh, Christopher Newport will get to play each, both UT Dallas and, and Stevens Point. And I'm really looking forward to, to an awesome weekend down there in, in Newport News, Virginia. And I'm looking forward to that uh, Wabash-Elmhurst game. I think those are two teams that I have my eye on. I'm looking forward to that one in the next week. And I think we're off to a great start here of the season. And I uh, couldn't be more excited about some of the results that we've seen so far. Awesome, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Dave. Have a good Thank Thanksgiving, you. by the way. You too, Dave. You too. All right, guys. Take care. There he is. Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman joining us on the Top 25 Double Take. Uh, we'll probably get him back next Sunday. We'll have a fascinating show next Sunday, to say the least. Um, all right. Uh, real quick on the women's side, I said I would go through this before we end the show as we're running a little bit late here. I will say this. Amherst will say number one. Tufts, number two. Scranton, number three. Warburg, they may slip with a loss to Plantville, who's going to get votes. They may not. Uh, Bowden's probably going to slide ahead of them. Hope may slide ahead of them. But I, I'd be shocked if Warburg's still not a top 10 team. Same with Mary Harden-Baylor. Yes, the loss to Wayland Baptist in a, in a tough game against uh, St. Thomas, Texas may have voters second-guessing that a little bit. But I, I don't see them falling too much, especially when George Fox behind them's lost as well. Again, Trinity's going to come into the top 25, I suspect, so George Fox may not fall too far. St. Thomas might jump them, and that's kind of where I'm thinking that St. Thomas moves up. Maybe they move ahead of Warburg as well. And then Warburg, Mary Harden, Baylor, George Fox maybe round out the top 10. Um, you know, DePaul women lost as well. So you've got so many losses now below this top 10. Um, that I think I think those losses by Warburg, Maryhound, Baylor, and George Fox will get absorbed and they'll stay in the top ten. Um, try and probably drop it out of the poll. Texas Dallas will drop out of the poll, despite the fact their two losses are to top twenty-five teams. That might save them and save them into the twenty spot. There's a chance of that. DeSales, no worries. Wheaton will probably move up. Uh, they may even with a loss, but I still think they move up. Um, Christopher Newport will fall. They're four and three. They may come out of the poll. Transylvania will move up. Oshkosh at two and three, probably coming out of the poll at least for now. Um, Chicago at four and two, really debatable at eighteen. They've got some good wins over Texas, Dallas, uh, and Wheaton and Trine, as we point out. But losses to non-top twenty-five teams in Illinois Wesleyan and Plantville. I think Chicago's in no man's land, so they probably stay in about that area. But I'll be fascinated to see what happens to them. Lacrosse lost to Wartburg. I Hopefully voters don't punish him for that. Messiah losing to Marymount. I think Marymount jumps into the top 25. So Messiah probably stays around 20, maybe slides a little bit. Now Whitman will probably move up slightly. Ithaca's out. They're one and three. Augsburg will move up. Wash U two and one. Debatable. They lost to Loris. I think Loris will come into the top 25, maybe. Um, Emmanuel's probably out. And then those receiving votes. There's a handful, I think, come into the poll. I think Illinois Wesleyan comes in. Guilford might jump in. Um, Baldwin-Wallace, because of their record, might jump in. It looks gaudy. I told you Marymount will jump in. Um, I don't know about Geneseo. There's a chance they jump into the poll. Gettysburg might jump into the poll, though their loss is the only top 25-ranked team they've got, so that could be wrong. Tennessee, Texas will absolutely jump in. Um and that's probably about it. So uh, the women's side, there'll be some movement, just not as much as we've seen in the past. And that's going to wrap us up with this show for tonight. Again, we played with some technology. We'll continue to play with it. Sorry, I had a little bit of issues with the audio at the beginning of the uh, Top 25 segment. I don't know how bad it was, but I, I hope I caught most of them as we were doing. I was trying to get audios to even out, played with it a little bit. 
improved it you know that stuff um podcasts will be available if you're if you missed any of the show uh, as soon as we can turn it around and the on-demand will be ready within about an hour that's about the only thing that's different with our blue frame technology partnership is i think the uh the on-demand is 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 delayed a little bit youtube it's instantaneous but nonetheless not the end of the world i want to thank our guest tonight uh really appreciate everybody coming on the show of course uh but our guests especially um from Wisconsin Platteville, that means Kelly McNiff for coming on the show. Really appreciate her time uh, with a pretty good team in her first year. Also, want to thank um, Graham Smith from William Peace and Isaiah Cavaco from Oberlin, and of course Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott. Also, want to thank the sports information directors from Platteville, William Peace, and Oberlin for their assistance with putting on the show today. We still have the John Carroll jersey up over our shoulder in, in honor of. Um, Chris Wensler, who is still in the hospital uh, with some significant um, uh, chemotherapy treatment for his myeloma. They are accepting hats. We tweeted out the information earlier this week. We'll try and put a link up if we can on information. Uh, they, they had taken hats at uh, John Carroll to give to Chris if you want to send them. We will find one of our caps in one of our boxes and send him that at some point in time. Uh, Lenny um, Reich at Mount Union spearheading a lot of that. There is also Wensler, Wensler's Warriors, a donation campaign ongoing. We tweeted that out earlier. We'll also try and send out a link for that. If you can give to help with the medical bills, uh, and everything else that the family is having to deal with with Chris sidelined by this and, and mounting medical bills on top of that. Please do. Chris is one of the good men out there and I appreciated his kind words on what we said Thursday. And that will do it for us on tonight's show. Remember, you got questions, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. We'll be back on the air or email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We'll be back on the air next Sunday. Uh, obviously not on the air Thursday for Thanksgiving. We talked about maybe putting out a podcast this week. We won't, we'll skip it this week. We got a better plan. Sunday will do the show. I've got some plans, maybe a little bit different. Maybe we'll dive into a topic on Sunday. Bob will probably be back to join us to talk uh, top 25. Um, and then we won't have a show the following Thursday either as I travel to Greensboro for the Division Three Men's and Women's Soccer Championships uh, down there. We will try and turn the rules podcast around at that point. I've got some ideas of how I want to pull it off. I've got this the interview with Bill Raleigh um, from earlier this summer that I can turn around and provide to you guys that we went in depth on rules, the changes, the processes, and everything like that. I have another idea. We may make that a podcast to put out midweek uh, next week and then the plan is to be back on the air Sunday uh, after I get back from Greensboro that's the plan hopefully it works worst case scenario we move it to Monday um, but that's our plan right now is to be on the air the 4th of December everybody have a great Thanksgiving thanks for tuning in I hope you enjoyed tonight's show thanks for everybody coming on Mark thank you for the kind words um, we will uh, again be off for Thanksgiving back next Sunday have a wonderful holiday with your families enjoy some games if you can get to them and if not enjoy them online through web streaming there's great partners like Blue Frame Technology I want to thank them for their support if you've got questions go to www.blueframetechnology.com they can help revolutionize your web streaming as well including the OTT devices you can see on your big screen Shout out to all of you who are watching us on the big screen. Also, thanks to the WBCA and the NABC, that is the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their support on this show. And, of course, D3Hoops.com for their support as well. If you are an advertiser, a school business, or whatever who's interested in advertising on Hoopsville, please let us know. We will definitely get you uh, a package. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to be sending out our packages. We've had some email issues. Hopefully, they'll go out. If not this week, we'll get them out early next, the following 
Wrestling Week and, and see if people are interested. We do have a few that have nibbled, and we hope some more will nibble as well. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios.